Energize, the Lawn Friend Podcast is brought to you by Hustler Hollywood, your one-stop shop for all things erotica, with 11 stores across the United States. Our sexy shelves are stocked with DVDs, books, lingerie, vibrators, butt plugs, lubricants, fetish gear, and bachelorette party supplies. At Hustler Hollywood, we know that sex is free. We only sell the accessories. If you're at our flagship store in the Sunset Strip, located across the street from the world-famous Rainbow Roxy and Whiskey, mention Energize and you'll get a delicious discount on something delightfully dangerous. LF and LF, Lawn Friend and Larry Flint, energetically connected for more than 30 years. Scotty, Energize. Energize. Happy birthday to me, happy birthday to me, my show's been on one year, and the audience measures three. Thank you. (laughs) Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast tonight, one year anniversary, in the studio with me. Oh, a slew of familiar faces. First, we introduce the Trinity, because... The chicks always get introduced first. <laughs> Danielle and Hello. Wendy and Diana. Steve Cohen from Village Pizzeria in Hollywood trekked 35 miles to bring us the finest Brooklyn slice. Did you say Village People Pizzeria? Village People Pizzeria. <laughs> <That's> awesome. Dude. <laughs> free delivery to the YMCA. <laughs> Give a piece a chance. Give a piece a chance. So Steve and I met when I was working on my on my chapter on Hollywood for the second book, and I rode my bike around Larchmont, and he'd be outside with his shorts on and shit, talking to people, and he just looked like he was high. So I said, you know, I got to talk to this guy, and we became brothers. We were born, how many days apart? Twelve days apart. He's going to go into the yeah. numbers game now. Yeah, no numbers. Anyway. A synchron- Chris- we'll synchronicity. Talk, we're, we're, we'll get you on. Junk man, Hello. How are you, my brother? Okay. Happy anniversary. Thank you, dude. And to my, I'm hip to the junk man. And to my junk, Jordan, junk man, Wallace. What is hip? (laughs) (laughs) And to my right, man who needs no introduction to anyone who's carried sticks for the past oh thirty years in rock and roll. He has more stories. I know because he told me a whole bunch of them. I just got off the Catalina cruise ship over here in the harbor. Yeah, dude. It's rad. (laughs) <laughs> Have you been to Catalina Wait. since you lived here? They're redoing it. I heard the news last night. They yeah. want to redo more hotels. What are they doing to Catalina? They want to add more hotels. Casinos and oh, shit. No. User friendly. Bring back the no, cops. No, no. You know who owned that island originally? Peppermint. Ooh. Spearmint. You got it. Wrigley Spearman. Where's the game? Where's the bell? Wait. Wait, wait, wait. Why the fuck did the owner of Wrigley Field and the Cubs come and buy an island in Los Angeles? Explain that one to me. He wanted an island and it was, you know, available. And then he, did you know that he brought a lot of animals out there? So him and his buddy. Like like Noah? (laughs) I want to see that new movie. It looks pretty rad. Dude, I do too. I take my dad to the movies every Wednesday. Really? Yeah, it's senior day. You know, I moved to Vegas. Wow, once, once I once I and sat buffets. once I sat in the movie theater with a very old gentleman named Bob Hope. Oh, you did? I heard this man snoring. 
<laughs> and it was in Burbank where he was from Toluca Lake. You know that. What right? they name a street after him in did, Burbank? Yeah. So I turn around and it's Bob Hope asleep behind me in the theater. It was rad. <laughs> Wherever he goes. <laughs> Did he have kind of like a Bob Hope kind of a snore? Like he did. I could tell it was him just by his snore. Bob I said it's got to be Bob. There's <laughs> Bob snoring. So Matt Storm can't watch the fucking movie. Hope. Yeah, wasn't that a trip? That's one of my celebrity sightings. Now here's the thing. This will show me if your memory isn't too damaged by your fame and fortune. <laughs> what movie were you seeing? What uh, movie? The Exorcist, maybe? I don't know. No, Bob Hope wouldn't see it. No, I, I don't can't sit through this. It, it might have been a Disney film. I'm not sure. I, I had a little What if it was me. one of his old films? <laughs> now that, yeah, yeah, it was actually, uh, what's that? Uh, Long Dong, whatever, Silver. Long Dong Silver? <laughs> John Holmes, the Mayan theater, the Mayan, the luxurious Mayan. No, theater? it was it was a legit film because I remember he had the wife with him. She was awake though. That's where I saw. <laughs> that's where I saw behind the green door in the resurrection of Eve. The first two pornos that started me on my path of, of moral degradation. Oh. Hey, you so know, remember the Mitchell theater, you, the Mitchell I, Brothers theater. Come on, oh. dude, they closed. I that married place. a I married a girl from the Mitchell Brothers. <laughs> I did. It's a true story. Okay, tell it. Okay. I've been there. I know where it is. I live no, in San Francisco. No, I'll tell you my best Mitchell Brothers O'Farrell Mitchell Brothers story. Okay. Okay. Legendary theater, Northern California, San Francisco, classic place. That's yeah. what Matt's referring uh, to. The girls, they, to them too. The girls right. don't like to refer to themselves as strippers. They like to refer to themselves as performance artists. <laughs> I, did. I did. My store was right so, right I took. I went to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers. When Dave Navarro was in the band, Red, Red Hot Minute, when they kissed each other yep, and stuff. Yep, yep, I can't yep. remember the I name. Remember. Red Hot something. They had that one video that got played on MTV a lot with Airplane. Dave all tattooed. Airplane. Very, thank you, Daniel. So I go to the show in San Francisco, and I'm backstage. And what was the name of the heavyset comedian? Um, Sam Kinison? No, he passed away. Um, uh, Louis Farlin. Anderson. Farlin. Uh, Farley. Chris, Far- Chris Farley. Chris Farley. So Chris Farley. is an airhead. Chris Farley's backstage with them. And I accidentally opened the door and flees meditating to a Buddha. That was the first thing I saw. God, he started and then, early. So then I head over to Dave Navarro and I say to Dave, I say, hey, you guys, what are you doing, man? Let's go to the Mitchell Brothers O'Farrell Theater. And Flea goes, what's that? <laughs> and, and Chris Farley goes, he, he already starts sweating. You know, it's like he, he just hears the word Mitchell Brothers O'Farrell and he's already sweating. So... We get in this car with this limo, and we ta- I take her to the Mitchell Brothers O'Farrell Theater, where I knew some of the girls. And we go in there, and we go into what's called the Green Door Room. Yeah. Are you familiar Behind with Behind the it? Green Door, dude. <laughs> That's the movie that put him on the map. Yeah, so it's me and Flea and Chris Farley and Navarro and I think Anthony, and we sit in this booth, right? right? And this girl presents herself, this performance artist, I'd like to call her. <laughs> she presents herself on the table with a large bag of dildos. <laughs> Right? See-through bag. So, yeah, it's a see-through bag. <laughs> and basically, you select size by cash amount. Oh, shit. So it's like starts at a, at a certain, you know, couple of three inches. And that's like right. 25 bucks. Tell them you're offered a menu. And the, Yeah, you're offered a menu of dildo uh, oh, you, selection. Oh, you frequent uh, for the, the place. For please. the performance, right? So I'm looking over at Chris Farley. He's like, oh, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> and he's completely drenched. We oh, haven't even gotten to the dildo yet, you know? So of course, you know, we go I go full girth. I go I go black jumbo 
You know, you know, you worked, you you worked with Hustler. Oh, you know those ones. Yeah, those ones. They're Dude. black and they're kind of rubbery. And I my you first... get hit somebody over the head with it, and knock them out. <laughs> my yeah. first real, my first long form writing assignments yeah. at Hustler were reviewing products. Oh, Did you okay. Get in action, how that just one work out? I cut, <laughs> I cut my compositional teeth by coming up with new names for breasts, like love bags. You came up with love bags? Yes. That's you? They, they, Hustler had a oh style God. book. Hustler had a style book with every dirty word ever uttered and all of the variations of that word. Yeah. There were four pages for boobs. <laughs> <laughs> you may use this. Not, this is not in this Hustler style book. What if I'm coming up with a new one, man? That's what creativity is all about. Be anyway, let's get back well, to the Mitchell long, Brothers. Well, long story short, oh, the Jumbotron inserts this girl. <laughs> And 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 I look over at Chris Farley who's wearing a suit and he's completely drenched and Flea Flea runs out because he's kind of a spiritual cat yeah you know? vegetarian and all yeah you know it's too much it's too much meat in the room for him <laughs> so he was like he ran and all I remember Chris Farley yelling was thank you Matt thank you <laughs> you know that was it it was just an amazing time right. at the Oprah Theater which the Mitchell brothers. <laughs> If you guys remember the story, one of the Mitchell brothers shot his brother. Yeah. Because he was too crazy. That's right. Could you imagine getting crazy in the Mitchell brothers? Huh? That's like getting kicked out of GNR because you're too high. Right. Now, now look, I've apologized to Stephen Adler for that. That was something I said on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. No, I said that. Well, I said it on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I said said in my acceptance speech, I said, I said, I got this call from Splash. I mean, Swash. I mean, Slush. And and my mom said, Slush is on the phone. And and I answered, and he said, Hey, man, it's Slash. And I said, I said, What's up, man? He said, Well, we're looking for a drummer. We had to kick our drummer out for doing too many drugs. And I said this on the Rock and Roll of Fame. I said, How the fuck do you get kicked out of Guns N' Roses for doing too many drugs? Right? Think about that. It's a rhetorical question. And I said it as a joke, but what I meant to say was, I know where you got kicked out. You didn't fucking share. (laughs) (laughs) You were hogging the shit. You bogarting. That's what the real story is. Yeah. Yeah. You were bogarting. Your shit. Dude, it's a miracle. That I used to follow Duff McKagan around and pick up fucking like a gram just following the guy. He would just like walk around and drop. He was like Linus. You know that guy? <laughs> he was like, you know the dude in Charlie Brown with the fucking With dirt? the blanket. But it wasn't, it wasn't dirt falling. It was blow. Just fucking like rocks of cocaine just everywhere. And I could just I could just follow him and get my nightly fucking dude, amount. Matt, what's, what's the biggest pile of blow you ever saw in one place at one time? It, just remember all. Okay, I remember. You don't have to it name was, names. It, nothing. Just it was on was the it? November Rain video shoot, and oh. Billy Idol was in the trailer. <laughs> and all I remember thinking was, I was trying to quit drugs at that time. <laughs> remember, and I got with that girl Kai, who I married. Yes, who was a Mitchell Brothers Kai. girl yes, dancer. She did. <laughs> She's yes, beautiful. She did. You know, it was one of those yeah. chicks that's like, well. I'm a stripper, but I also, I also do yoga, and I'm sp- I'm sp- I'm studying spirituality through the Kundalini. Right, <laughs> that's right, yeah. and you know that kind of shit. Yeah. Like they couldn't quite figure it they out. Separated. They, they separated. She was, what, what she if was it, hot, but she was searching for her. You know, inner what self. if she was just a seeker, man? She was a seeker, and now she lives on an ashram somewhere with a bunch then, of dudes. Then and, she's <laughs> then she's found her peace. Yeah. So so basically, what were we talking about? 
the biggest pile of cocaine. Oh, the biggest pile of cocaine you ever saw. I got so caught room. up in it, I had and, to jump right into like Kundalini yoga because I was almost high <laughs> thinking about it. So I'm in this trailer <laughs> with Billy and, Idol, and I walk in, and Billy Idol's in there, and there's you seen Scarface, of course. Duff McKagan, he didn't just buy an eight ball; he bought like a half ounce of blow. <laughs> And he'd just dump it on the table, and it was like pile on the table, like Scarface, where he says, you know, where he sticks his face in there. Yeah. Like I just saw the Wolf of Wall Street, right? And I yeah. called Duff. I go, "Have you seen that shit?" He goes, "Yeah, fucking pussies." <laughs> bunch of bunch of fucking suits, right? No, okay, I'm gonna segue into a true story. I'm gonna segue since I did the biggest pile of blow with Duff McKagan and Billy Idol. I was out in New York City with Jerry Cantrell, and I, I had this band called Neurotic Outsiders, yeah. and I just decided to fall off the wagon one night in the middle of the tour because we all met when we were sober. So me and Cantrell end up down in Wall Street, swear to God, true story, at around 11 o'clock in the afternoon, and we go up an elevator, and there's a guy with a walkie-talkie, and you're supposed to say something like, you know, uh, Occidental Petroleum, like something like <laughs> right. a stock of right. some sort. And all of a sudden, the door opens. Oh. And it's like, bomb, 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 bomb. You're like, Mission Impossible. And you're like, there's a fucking club in Wall Street that's open, and everyone's smoking crack right now. And you can <laughs> Shut up. Swear to God. And the door opens. It's fucking stripper poles and dudes in suits smoking crack. Just like the fucking movie. And I bet that dude was in there. Wow. The real guy. So the wolf guy. He wow. set the guys in there. And this was like 1997. And I'm like, fuck. And these dudes were hardcore. <laughs> because you could tell that they were going to go back to work after lunch. Like they do With other people's fortunes and money. <laughs> after smoking crack. So that at shit their was, private club. That shit was going down. God, I feel good about this country. <laughs> I feel better about L.A. <laughs> so that's just, you know, that's just oh one of the God. things that happened to me in Wall Street. And. Uh, <laughs> oh, my. Where do we. St- have we started? No. Uh, well, we started with drugs, and now we should segue into dolphins. Yeah, I want to ask really into you. Dolphins. Had a comment about the dolphin? Please reiterate that because I love dolphins. Well, By was, the way, my daughter's company made the Cove. Well, I just went, which there. is an extraordinary. You know, I went there. In, I went there in September. Oh, dude, you mm. went to the Cove. I went to the Cove September first with Rick O'Berry from the Cove, and we went to the very first day of what's the opening of the hunting season and the slaughter. Oh no! Which is Taiji, Japan, which is a fucking schlep. You think? Okay, I'm going to hop on the bullet train. I'll get there in like an hour. Well, you go on the bullet train for a couple hours, and then you hop on this really old train that's like the old bullet train from like 1965 or something. (laughs) And you go about another six hours across Japan. Shut up. And then you end up in this little town outside Taiji. So we went down there and we hung out um, on the cove there where basically the hunters, there's about 15 boats, and they all go out and they... They trap a pot of dolphins and they push them towards the shore into this cove, which I was, I can't even believe I was standing there watching this. Mm. But the very first day I was there, they captured an entire pot of bottlenose dolphins, which are the most intelligent of the, of the dolphin family. They're the ones that are easy, trainable dolphins that they use at SeaWorld and all these other, you know, amusement parks and aquariums and such. So basically I saw this, this herd being driven in and then they hold them in the cove overnight and then the next day they come in and they do what's called the selection process where they the what people don't really know about the cove is the real horror story behind it is the captivity of the dolphins so basically what's happening there is the captive dolphin industry has gotten huge worldwide um we hear about sea world and blackfish and all these things well america has more captive animals 
than any place else in the world. But besides that, in Taiji, that particular day they took 18 bottlenose dolphins out of the water. Basically raped, you know, took them from their families. Um, and they, the pods travel in, in families. So they have the grandmother, the uncle, the aunt. Mm. Um, I know this is quite a diversion from Mitchell Brothers, which was a lot more laughable. No. And a lot more fun. This but this is, is, this is so... It shows the spectrum. That we yeah, that was them, me doing piles of cocaine now, and me now saying no. But anyway. <laughs> That's important. Hey, That's man, serious. you know, you gotta, if you're going to do it, go for it. That's, That's what serious. I say in any genre. <laughs> Happiness so, comes from balance. That's right, balance. So, so basically what happens with the captive dolphin trade is these dolphins are kidnapped from their family, put into a small tank that is about uh, 20 by 20 square, and they'll cram about five dolphins in there. And then what they do is they starve them to death, mm. and they start to feed them dead fish, and they train them. And they sell these dolphins between 30000 to $100,000 each to different aquariums around the world. Uh, the, 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 one is, the one biggest uh, uh, place that's going now is Dubai. Mm. People are building these massive <clears throat> hotels, and they're yeah. putting these swim with dolphin programs, and then people have them in aquariums and things around the they world. They pay rock stars a lot of money to perform there, you know. Mm -hmm. They do, they do. And um, long story short, basically the captive dolphin trade has gone up to a point where it's just completely out of control. Like, for instance, like if you go to Mexico and you're on a cruise ship, they're gonna, you know, they offer you, oh, let's go swim with dolphins. Well, these right. particular dolphins are in a swimming pool yeah. that no, are, yeah. and, they're, and they're living in a captive environment that's very, very uncomfortable. Matt, I have them. to ask you something. Yeah. <clears throat> the, the most piercing scenes in the cove are when they are literally beating the life out of these dolphins right there. Mm -hmm. Right. In the water right. as they're coming into the cove, and you're they're slaughtering them. Did you see that take place? Well, the month the first month that I was there, they don't slaughter the dolphins. That the first month is more of a captive thing. Right. Um, luckily, I didn't get I didn't have to see that. Yeah. But Rick O'Berry has been there, and he's become a really good friend of mine. I've been working with the Dolphin Project, but they basically drive them underneath a tarp now, so they're not even allowed to really watch because they know they're being watched by right, the world. Right. They're being streamed every day by Sea Shepherds, which is, yep. you know, you know about the Sea Shepherds, Paul, yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul Watson and those guys are there. And then uh, dolphinproject.org streams this event. So now they cover the entire cove with tarps, drive the dolphins, and they ram a spike through their um, mm -hmm. through their head, forehead. Oh, and they, yeah, it's horrible. But, you know, the thing about it is, thing about thing about Japan is Caroline Kennedy, I don't know if you guys are following this, but Caroline Kennedy, which is the re the only remaining daughter of JFK, our, our famous president, is the ambassador to Japan now. And she was the first person to ever in the government to ever speak out against it mm. and say, you know, this is barbaric. I mean, how can this still be happening in, in, in modern times that this kind of mm -hmm. treatment of especially our wildlife and, you know, not we could get into a whole other subject on, on animal, animals in general. Yeah. But. Doesn't stop there, man. This you particular know, situation, there's so much politics that goes around. You know, we could get into that for a couple. I don't know how much time you got, but um, <laughs> or I got. But, I want to talk about but, your new record. But but there's the, the record has a lot to do with what I've been thinking about. I think about. your consciousness of this taking place in your life, yeah. what you're witnessing is is now reflected in your music. Yeah, yeah, right. Because it's funny because like when we start talking about like drugs and and alcohol and partying and strippers and stuff. I go into that guy for a second and then I, I kind of laugh because 
<laughs> I look at it like, yeah, fuck, I did that, you know. And I say, I say to a lot of people, they go, hey man, you don't you don't fucking party anymore, and what you don't yeah. fucking drink. I mean, yeah. like, what's your deal? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, yeah. dude, it's if I fucking evolution. drank right now, I'd have to fucking kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Just because that's what I would do, but no, I, and I got an XLR t shirt and it says, Been there, fucking done that. You know what I'm saying? Like, on you know, I look at it like this God gives you a certain amount of stuff to do in your life, right? Like, He gives you like nice glasses and maybe like sunglasses. You know, He gives you sunglasses, he gives you, He'll give you like 200 pair, you lose them however you want, right? He'll give you a big fucking pile of cocaine. Do it all at once or, you know, spread it out. Spread it out over and, 20 and, years. And not that God, God did make cocaine. It showed up in Peru somewhere. I mean, it came from originally. <laughs> yeah, right, like, these guys figured it out. They so, just figured it out. Okay. It's from a plant. It's a plant. Yeah. You know, people are going to go, God gave us cocaine. They're going to be, you, you the, sinner. The Rastafarians and, believe that herb in the Bible is the, is, is the marijuana. Yeah. It's the herb. It's God's herb. Right. Okay. So, so everything on this planet has been given us to us to right. do what, with it what we will. Like for alcohol, I did, you know, you can consume the word moderation. I just never learned that word. <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> it's like, you were an extremist. It's like, you remember when you used to come backstage? And yeah. I used, no, I did. I witnessed it. I was never much of a drinker. But yeah, dude, you uh, you had such a constitution. Like, but I really like, think mo- that like that powerful. brought me to where I am now. Of course, it's, like, it's sort of like it's sort of like uh, uh, the famous uh, guy that discovered the Earth. Um, Thought he was around. Or no, the dude in the boat. The, the dude in the boat. The uh, Not Columbus. 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 <laughs> I'm like Columbus. I'm like Columbus. Like I'm on the fucking ship, right? I'm just raging with my pirate buddies, right? We're fucking like, dude, Captain know, Phillips. We're fucking like raging, you know? And then all of a sudden, I just fall off the edge of the earth into like a dolphin pool, Thank and there you. I am swimming, and they've saved me. And now here I am. I made this record, Matt Sorn's Fierce Joy, and it's the all new me. And it is an evolution of Matt Sorum. I've watched the evolution, and there's some beautiful titles on this record. Thank you. But I want to hear what Ziggy says first, because you and I both come from the same cloth. We come from Bowie land. Yes. Yes. Okay, Matt Sorum is here, Steve Cohen, a whole slew of people in the studio. It's a one-year anniversary of Energize, the Lawn Friend Podcast.
Dude, that is so joyful. That's Matt Sorum, Fierce Joy. That song is called What Iggy Says, and it is fucking awesome. <laughs> Dude, anything that harkens all the young dudes to me takes me to a higher level mm-hmm. oh, of, of reality. And oh, that, yeah. for a minute, it, I felt, whoa. He's carrying me on those Bowie wings. Yeah. He had wings, dude. Yeah, I felt like Fuck. like the groove. I was like, I told, I didn't play drums on the album. Uh, I used a drummer named Brian McLeod. He's played with Sheryl Crow and worked a lot with Linda Perry. And I said to him, give me a kind of a T-Rex kind of groove. Real like sludgy and, you know, sexy. And then the bass player, I'm like, give me kind of a Bowie kind of like, you know, <laughs> bass thing. It was that kind of a conversation, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it came oh. together rather effortlessly because these guys were hip. They were hip to the, to, the to, the, to the vibe, yeah. yeah. I used the, most of the guys on the album were all guys that I'd known from around town that aren't famous guys, but are very well versed in everything that I love. And the album, when I made the album, I really wanted it to be an organic live thing. I didn't use any computers or, you know, we recorded into the Pro Tools, but I didn't yeah. mess with the music. I didn't like... You hear a lot of stuff on the radio now, and it's all like everything's moved around and the vocals are tuned. I didn't do any of that. That song had a big sound. Thank you. Big sound. Live horns on that record. Lanny co-wrote songs with you. Lanny Lanny Cordola co-wrote. I love Pakistani Lanny. Yeah, I got a heavy-duty Pakistan tune on here, too. That was beautiful. um, Lanny's. um, I'm I'm going to totally fucking, this is going to be spinning in my deck. I can finally take Beck's This Morning. Out of my CD player. That's a very good album, dude. It's been in there for three weeks. Yeah, spinning every round like this. Yeah, my my records on iTunes too. What's it's not in under, under B, but You're gonna it's gonna be spinning. <laughs> You're gonna be spinning in the in the Camry. I could tell you where I got the name of the band from if you'd like to know. If you're interested, yeah, because everyone said, everyone said, why fierce joy? Why fierce joy? Man? Well, two years ago, I got a call from a guy named Lemmy Kilmister, Hello, and I was Matt, it's Lem. Yeah. He basically texted me and he said, is it, is it Matt? It's Lem-. That's what he sounds like on his text. He says, Matt, it's Lemmy. And I need you to drum. I'm like, well, huh? So I text him back. And I'm out by the pool with my beautiful wife now, Ace. Ace. And, you know, my hands are very soft because I haven't been on the road in a while. I'm not really in tour mode. Let me say, I say, when do when you want me to play? He says, uh, three days from now. In, meet us in Washington. No rehearsal. So I get a DVD and I learn the entire Motorhead uh, uh, set off this DVD, and I say, "Why? Why are you calling me?" He says, "Because Dave Grohl wasn't available." <laughs> okay, Dave Grohl gets all the gigs, you know, Paul McCartney, you know. Let me. Hey, dude, that's an okay. Yeah. Number so two. I go and I meet, I meet, I meet. This true story. I do a sound check at the nine thirty club. Great. And I play that night with Motorhead, where I thought I was going to get killed by guys in biker jackets and chicks, <laughs> chicks in moccasin boots. You know, chicks wear moccasin boots. Have you ever seen those chicks with tattoos? They got more tattoos than me. I mean, they're hot. And and my wife says, "I said, are you going to are you going to worry about me being on the road with Motorhead?" She says, "Not at all." <laughs> like, there's no chicks there. I mean, there's just no chicks. There's a couple, but you know, that's about it. It's a sausage. So fest. anyway, I go out on the road, and by the end of the tour, I'd done about 14 dates. We're in. We're in Austin at the, at, the, at the Stubbs Barbecue. And by that time, my hands are completely blistered. I'm like a bloody mess. Mm-hmm. There's blisters on my fingers. Because yeah, I am rocking with Motorhead every night. We're just throwing down. And we did this interview for Enemy Magazine. And Lemmy says, My life 
is like fierce joy. <laughs> if I wasn't playing rock and roll, I'd be digging ditches. Dude. And I went, what did he say? <laughs> Dude, you so about you took notes on yes, something Lemmy said. I did. And it and, was and an about, album cover hidden in yes, there. Yes, and about six months later, I, I just loved the way that sounded. It was this oxymoron. It's like, if you want to be joyful in your life, what that said to me is you have to strive for it. Yeah. Right? You have to like really work hard and being happy and getting your life in order and all that shit. So this album really is about that. So I called Lemmy and I go, do you remember when you said, oh, I'm, now I'm talking like, I go, hi, Lemmy, it's Pat. Do you remember when you said first joy? I, I, no. Uh, I said, hey, no. Yeah, what, what, what are you talking about? I, I said, man, we, we did this interview and I really love it. And I said, can I use that? <laughs> oh, yeah, sure, whatever. Of course, so, said, I, anyway, yeah. that's where the title of the record. Lemmy comes. would and say, I just, yeah. I love Lemmy because I went on the road with these guys, right, with Motorhead, and I was like scared because I'm off drugs and shit, and like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you know where they got the name, right? Comes from doing a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Yeah. So I'm like, whoa, I'm on the tour bus with these guys. So. I'm on this bus with Lemmy, and a man, I just fell in love with the guy. I've heard of Man Love, and Dave Grohl loves him yeah. and shit. Man, like, Lemmy Dave Grohl's love. got Man Love. Yeah. And, but I just love the dude, and every night I'd sleep in the back bunk, and Lemmy would be in the back lounge, and I'd hear, <laughs> War movies. <laughs> like, loud, too. Games, right? Every night. War movies. War movies. Like every war movie known to man. Right? I'd be movies. Like, I'm like, what'd you watch last night? The Battle of the Bulge. <laughs> right? the, but he's know, a historian, like, man. Like, he's Pearl, a historian. Oh, well, Pearl Harbor. The, the, you know, the, <laughs> the, guns of, the guns of Navarro. Yeah, guns of Navarro. He knows like, his history, man. He's amazing. He's a yeah. learned man. Yep. The, I, I, I have always thought he, him and Bruce Dickinson were the two smartest British Rockers I ever met. I wish Bruce Dixon was flying that Malaysian Airlines. Yeah, would have got there. Fuck. Are you kidding me? You know the guy flies his own airplane. Yeah, Bruce flies the seven seven oh seven. John did for, an interview with him, right? Travolta. No, no. He took me on his on his Cessna. I was co pilot. That's a little scary. From from LA to Vegas when Mo, when when um Maiden played with Rob Halford and Queensryche. I think it's 2001 or two mm -hmm. around that area. He goes, you want me to be my co-pilot? I go, what are you talking about? He goes, fly with me, Vegas. I go, really? <laughs> yeah, we'll go over Area 51. I go, fuck yeah. <laughs> so I get on the plane with Bruce Dickinson, and he goes, I'm checking the levels. He's walking around. He's doing all the level checks and shit. I go, this is really cool. And he's just the like the nicest guy. He, he looks like a, like what you say. You could pass him in the hallway. You'd never know. Yeah. Was that a Cessna with a prop on yeah. it? Or what it, had, it, had, it had a jet prop thing. Oh, okay. So that's what he was flying the band in in the beginning. He goes, I flew this everywhere. I go, okay, sound like Lemmy doing yeah. Bruce Dickinson. <laughs> he goes, Lon, I flew this everywhere. I go, like, where? All over the world. Go, Have you seen the documentary? Oh, yeah, yeah dude. Yeah, it's amazing. Totally. 666. Called yeah, it. it's called You're Flight right Six. Yeah, we're in the scene in the oh, in the dressing room. Me oh, and cool. me and Junk Man, for a second, we're yeah, we're standing seconds. next to Carrie King, and that's why they in Lars, and that's why they show us, and Scott Ian, and, and, and uh, Lars. We flew to the desert, and he's talking to the tower, and I go, Bruce, are we going over there? He goes, No, that is Area Fifty One. <laughs> right, yeah, he yeah. goes, Lon will get shut down. I won't yeah, be on fly stage. Around that, so. I'll never make the stage by eight o'clock. Yeah, okay, dude. We that's flew right. around it. 
some weird stuff going on out there. Oh, dude, don't even. I live in the desert now. Yeah. I don't know what. I just going shot on. out. I just shot my video out near uh, Joshua Tree. I stayed at the Joshua. The best. I stayed at the Joshua Tree Inn. Awesome. Which, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Joshua Tree Inn, but a very famous singer songwriter named Graham Parsons, Graham Parsons. Passed, passed away there in room number eight. Room number eight. I stayed in room number eleven. That's my number eleven, which is actually the Donovan Suite. The folks hey, Bing. we got Donovan. I got a Donovan song. That's so cool. I, you yeah. synchronicity and yeah. intuition. Yeah. Come on. See how this happens. So I stayed in the Donovan Suite and I shot my video in the Donovan Suite. And then awesome. I cruised out to like Area 61 near 29 Palms. Okay. There's some weird stuff going on out oh, there. Oh, I know. I used to live out there. There's you weird, did? There's yeah. weird people out Military there. Military base. Wow. Wait a minute. You have all your teeth, though. <laughs> Marine Corps, my dad was a major. So I met a lot of people with no teeth out there. He's like, an officer. Do you know both go- Diana and Danielle come from military? Really? Yeah. Right? I'm a, I'm a Navy and Army brat. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Retired. Just Marine Corps. Marine Corps. Well, that's it. Camp Pendleton, 29 Palms, oh, I've Camp been Lejeune. Camp, Camp Pendleton, I've been there. I do a thing with Wounded Warriors down there, and that's like a a, a town all its own, isn't it? Yeah. It's a world of its own. Mm-hmm. What's it like? It's trippy. You go through a gate, and then all of a sudden, you're in like Camp Pendleton world, and they got their own mall. Like Disneyland? Most bases Not really. have their own They actually are their and... very own... Um, like my birth certificate says March Air Force Base, California. Like it doesn't say it's not a the city. city. The base is the these city. are cities onto themselves. Small yeah. communities with all the services you need right. and everything you need. In everything there. you yeah. don't have to leave. Compounds. It's even like that overseas. Like in Germany, like they have Taco Bell at the army bases in Germany. So like when I lived mm, in Germany, yum. everybody wanted to go. <laughs> so to they're the feeding Taco our <laughs> they're feeding our troops with the highest fiber. Yeah, highest the, stuff. the ten pack, same price. <laughs> Do they get deals? They get military discounts. Let me tell you, when I was drinking, there was nothing like a 10-pack of Taco Bell. Get you all lubed right back up. Right? At my little brother's. Come on, you haven't been hung over lately, have you? No. She hasn't. I I choose hummus and pita. Really? That's so healthy of you. I know, but I do get hung over. I was like that, too. (laughs) I'd be like coming off of like a week-long binger and drinking like green drinks. Yeah, green drinks. You know, that's what I drink now. Going to the health food store. That's it what helps. I do now. It's, it's a good recovery. <laughs> now I do, I do it now. Now I do it now, but I cut all the other stuff out. Yeah, that's and right. it's amazing. I feel really good. <laughs> you look good too. You look handsome. So, Thank you. so, Thank you. Uh, so, you're the synchronicity, the fact that we're connected. Like, yeah. you know, we go way back. You must have sent me a psychic message because the Donovan rap. I have the stoniest of all Donovan songs. The one he wrote that just sounds like he, he's flying so high. Hurdy gurdy, oh, man. Yeah. Cool, man. We're gonna listen to that and come back and talk some more to Matt Sorm and the gang here on the first anniversary. You know, it's like, listen to him at the beginning, dude. I played this. Oh man, blonde friend, energize. Thrown like a star, my vast if I opened my eyes to take a peek to find that I was by the sea, gazing with tranquility. Then when the hurdy gurdy man came singing songs of love, then when the hurdy gurdy man came singing songs of love, 
light and shadows cast Down through all eternity The crying of humanity Tis then when the hurdy-gurdy man Comes singing songs of love Then when the hurdy-gurdy man Comes singing songs of love Guys, the Lawn Friend Concept Podcast. Whoa, I'm, sto- That's I'm stoned. Pe- That's Cheese Pizza from Steve's Village Pizzeria in Larchmont in Hollywood, right next door to Neil's Lowe's Hour Studio. Are you guys open like during earthquakes and stuff? Yeah, because- in fact, I was checking up with our uh, generator today. That's funny. You said I was working and going to pick up a generator, but yeah, was, check it out. So yeah. the big earthquake, the last one, was yeah. that like 90 something? 91, 89, 91. No, 94. 94. I was in town. January 20th. And the only place that was open was Damiano's Pizza. Those guys made it. They they closed that store down. January 17th. Because it's so dirty and horrible, right? Wasn't it like... Somebody bought them out. Oh. Because they didn't have ratings back then, like ABC and D. It was like F minus. (laughs) (laughs) It's like extra cockroach with you. Beyond the alphabet. (laughs) So I go go to Matt. Dark. How fucking cool is this Donovan record? He goes, dude. Matt, that's John Bonham on drums. That's the story. <laughs> and, you know, I, 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 not to, like, bloat that I know everybody in the world, <laughs> but, but I have hung with Donovan, and he's been to my studio. And I tried to get him to sing harmony on this track, but he sang... <laughs> I'm like, can you go, can you go... Oh, you go <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 I just need a note, like one note. <laughs> and then I asked him, I asked him, I said, hey, man, was that Jimmy Page on guitar on Hurdy Gurdy Man? So. I really don't remember. <laughs> I remember calling. I remember calling Jimi Hendrix, but uh, the story is it's Jimmy Page. But to be honest, I was stoned, and <laughs> I don't remember. And so then good. check it out. So we get this. So tri- much that I remember. So since we're on Donovan, so I get this call from his son Donovan Leach, yep. which I'm in a band. I was in a band called Camp Freddy with, and we get this call. Uh, your father's been invited to go play for a gentleman named Ron Burkle. Ron Burkle. 
hysterical. Yeah. Cat owns billionaire. Like, yeah, cat owns like Ralph's billionaire. You know, yeah. Other stuff. Yeah. So we go to this house, and Donovan Senior says to me, "Matt, will you accompany me on tambourine and shakers?" <laughs> I say, "I'm like, yeah." So we go to this house. He yes. Has, he has no idea what he's doing. It's, it's Donovan, and we go to Ron Burkle's mansion in Be- Bel Air, which it looks like the White House. It's like hundred million dollar thing. And, you know, we went past the guest house, and I was like, "Whoa, this is unbelievable!" Go, no, that's just the garage. You know? And then we're like, and then we go in, right? And it's heavy. It's like Babyface and like uh, the cat that did Chicago, the big producer. Okay, uh, Foster, David Foster, David, and Foster. some senator that I don't know. But I recognized him. And all these heavies. And Donovan's like the man of the hour. Right. So David Foster gets up and says, we have a, a real world treasure here, a treasure of the world. And I'd like to introduce him now. And the other guy that's with him. <laughs> on, on, on tambourine and backing vocals. So we sat down and we did Call Me Mellow Yellow and, and Hurdy. And, and the other guy. And the other dude. I said, hey, man, I went out with your daughter once. <laughs> I said, don't give me any shit, man. I, I know you. You ran over that fucking famous singer. I know you. He ran over. What's his face? Uh, he ran over. Fuck, you know what I'm talking about? I don't know. David Foster? Yeah. No, David Foster ran over fucking... Um, <laughs> Check your Google. Uh, he ran over fucking... Uh, Daddy. His wife is Google. on the Real Housewives. Come on, Google that Hills. shit. No, he Google. ran over David. his famous singer. Who did David Foster Whitney run over? Houston. We have many iPhones in this room. Yeah, and his daughter's super hot. Don't look it up. And, yeah, look that up. We'll get back to that. But anyway, <laughs> his daughter's that, super hot. That's my Donovan hot. story. So I hung with Donovan. Mm. It was a trip. And then I went down, and I played Hurdy Gurdy Man... At this David Lynch Foundation for meditation. Okay. David Lynch. TM, he's heavily into He's TM. heavily into TM. So yeah. Donovan says, will you, will you accompany me to this t- meditation gig? So right. I'm like, huh? What? <laughs> like, you, got, you cats are still doing that shit? I'm like, I'm in. He's like, yeah, we're going. So I go and I play. What? Ben Vereen. Ben Vereen. He fucking ran over Ben Vereen. He <laughs> ran over Ben Vereen. <laughs> yeah, he produced all those cheesy yeah. Chicago songs that did Ben Vereen. But he he's was nice, quite a tap dancer. But anyway, so David Foster was there. Uh, so I go to this meditation thing, and I'm like, I'm going to play Hurdy Gurdy Man with Donovan. It was awesome. Yeah. And then at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, he was inducted the same year as us. <clears throat> and he said that amazing poem. We just went on forever. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have a teleprompter. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. So there but, you go. But still, no matter what Donovan done on stage, nothing trumped the drama. Of your Guns N' Roses Hall of Fame induction, nothing well, trumped it. Well, maybe the Sex you Pistols had, or Van Halen. You maybe. had. Good, well, you know what? Kiss is trying to outdo it right, uh, right now, but they, a lot of controversy. Dude, I'll dress up for the. I think it's manipulation. I think it's Gene's manipulation of the marketplace. Naturally, that's what uh, I, think. I think they should send a bunch of other <clears throat> fucking fools up there dressed in that shit, and they're like making some young guys. They're insulting, <laughs> at least insulting the other two, Tommy and the other guy. They're saying that they're, they're well, not no, even no, worthy. No, there's a lot of members of Kiss that get no yeah, credit. Tommy's not worth. Those guys are not worthy. <laughs> you know what happened? Though? Thirteen years is not worthy. Yeah, you know what? You know what happened? The fucking Grateful Dead fucked all that up. They did, did they? They brought like 52 friends with them. <laughs> they and did. They did. They were like spinners on stage. Yeah, they had like, that's the dude <laughs> the that used to bring left. us our joints. 
The grilled and cheese truck. The grilled cheese truck driver. <laughs> no. Okay, really <laughs> quick. Incense holder. People. Since we're just telling fucking stories. Oh, Matt, tell the fucking I, Mickey Hart story. Okay. No, no, wait. Person. This is one of Matt Sorb's greatest fucking okay. stories. So I'm recording at this place called The Record Plant in Sausalito <laughs> in San Francisco. Yes, famous. And I'm up there and I'm recording with this guy, Jerry Harrison, from Talking Heads. Yeah, made the Bogman record. And, first yeah. Blood. Yeah, he made your yeah. record. Yeah, he did. And a very talented guy. I get a phone call. Front guy, front desk beeps, man. They said, there's a gentleman named Mickey Hart on the phone for you from the Grateful Dead. I'm like, fucking cool, man. <laughs> right? So this chick, Kai, that I went out with, this, this the, perform, the performance artist that I was married to, yep. was also a spinner. Oh, dude, stop. She, she went to 600 uh, fucking Grateful Dead shows and served Top Ramen in the parking lot, yeah. topless, and would spin and shit. So that's how I knew the Grateful Dead. And I saw Mickey Hart with her, and I didn't get it at all because I wasn't stoned. <laughs> and I was like, "This just sounds like a bunch of guys playing different songs." <laughs> and then I went, I went to the 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 Chinese New Year show okay. in San Francisco, okay. and I smoked a big fatty. Yeah, yeah. And I went in, and I went, "Oh my God, it's perfectly clear now. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is amazing." Dude, I took Jerry Harrison and the Bogman while we were making the record at the plant to see the Grateful Dead. It at was Oakland insane. But you got to be stoned. Oakland, yeah. you have to be Dude, stoned. You had to be. So I'm stoned, and I get it. So anyway, I get this call from Mickey Hart, and he says, "Hello, Matt. It's Mickey Hart. He's not English. <laughs> like, Hello, Matt. It's Mickey Hart. Gotta get out of the first. <laughs> wait, 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 <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Let me screw you up. Hello, Matt. It's Mickey Hart. <laughs> That's better. Um, I live in Sebastopol, and I'm sending a car to pick you up. Would you like to come up, man? I'm gonna, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make a, a." Uh, Fish paella for you. <laughs> I'm like, okay, paella. I'm down with paella. I haven't had it since Marbella, Spain, in '98. <laughs> and I said, okay. So, so I get in the town car and I cruise to Sebastopol. It's up there past. Past, uh, it's past San Francisco, the other side of the bridge. Trees. Other side of the bridge, and Les it's a Claypool very has a vin, uh, Les, wine. It's, it's a Les Claypool country. country. It's wine country. Trippy country. people live up there. It's so rich I, wine country. I go and the gates open right, and the first thing I see is a llama. You know what a llama looks like? Yeah, Michael yeah. Jackson had one. Yeah. And a llama goes by. It's got like two like hooves coming out of its back. Yeah. And uh, it looked kind of like a camel, but like a llama. Okay. Two heads. And then it goes by. And I'm like, whoa. I'm glad and then we're I see back into wildlife. And then I see a lake and there's like geese and there's like a big fountain in the middle. And the car drives me to this like kind of guest house. And I walk in and there's a guy standing there with a bowl of paella. I swear to God, yeah, yeah. big bowl with like prawns in it and yeah. stuff. And I sit down and I'm eating this paella. I'm like, wow, this is too cool. <laughs> and, and then I'm like, where's Mickey, man? So all of a sudden Mickey comes in smoking a big fat. He goes, yeah. I'm so glad you could make it. Do you like the paella? And I'm like, it's amazing. Best I've had since Marbella, Spain, 98. Right? So I go, I go, I go, this is awesome. I love your pad. He goes, you want to see the drums? <laughs> so I'm yeah. like, what, what are you talking about? He goes, come to my barn. <laughs> so, so me and Mickey Hart walk through this property. It's like 60 acres. We go to this fucking barn, right? And he passes me a big fat joint. Now we're both smoking. I'm like, yeah, paella and a big, and like the pot. I don't know where they grew it, but I think it was like Jerry's pot. Because this shit was like, <laughs> It was Jerry's. Whoa. Yeah. I smoked some of his pot once too. Yeah. But so I go into this barn and we're looking at all the drums and he's, there's these two drums that are like 30 feet high with a ladder going up to them. Whoa. He goes, I bought those in Bali. <laughs> right? I, and I had to have two of them. I go, I go, 
They're fucking huge. How'd you get them back? They're like trees. So he goes, climb up that one, and I'll climb up that one, and you we can jam. So, 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 so I'm up there, and I'm fucking playing this tree thing with these big like sticks, and I'm jamming with Mickey, and then we're walking around. And then he takes me up in the balcony and shows me all these tapes of every Grateful Dead show. Oh, man. And then he goes, have you ever figured out how much money you made every time you hit the drum? <laughs> and I went, what? He goes, I did it once. I had a guy behind me, and he did. I had a clicker. And then whenever I got paid that night, I divided it by every time I hit the drum. <laughs> I, went, I bet you guys made a lot of money because you didn't fucking have any back any lights or anything. <laughs> Like, you owned your own PA and shit. They owned all their own shit, you know. You never had wardrobe. They didn't do wardrobe. No wardrobe. Yeah. They have to pay the clicker so, guy, though? Yeah, it's awesome. So then we sit down at the, at the console. He's got this console. He's like, listen to this shit, man. It's like this drum track. Check it out. And then there's these three buttons like this, right, Lon? Yeah. And he pushes one. Yeah. And a guy walks in, yeah. puts a joint in his mouth. And, like, <laughs> and I went, I went, whoa. Like a bell. I went, what do the other two buttons do? Right? <laughs> I'm like, he's like, well, that one's for this kind of shit, and that one's for this kind yeah. of shit. I'm like, well, I'll just have the same thing you're having. I push that, and the guy came in and went, whoop, boom. He goes, I'm like, wow. This is too cool. And then there was another dude walking through the barn, like right. keeping the fireplace lit. Okay. That was his job. He was, he was like the log guy. And this dude was the joint guy. And then he goes, okay, now we're going to take a ride on my golf cart. And, and I'm going to take you to listen to some music in the Japanese garden. He's like, I have my own radio station. Right? You no. Know, he had a one watt radio station so he could listen to his music modulating through the speakers. So we drive out. We drive out to this Japanese garden. Now I'm really stoned because this pot is good. And I drive out to this Japanese garden and he opens these fake rocks and there's speakers in there. Fake rocks. (laughs) And we sit down and he goes, and he's got a walkie talkie. He goes, roll the tape. And now, yeah. Yeah, I swear to God, true story. This is like our man Flint. And then I woke up in my bed. I said, was that true? Was that really, did that really happen? No, and that was a true it story. It did really happen. I hung out with Mickey, and I found the Polaroid, because I had a Polaroid camera. Sure. And I took a picture of me and him with a Polaroid. I have it at home. And he signed his book, Planet Drum. If you ever get a chance to read it, check it out. He went around the world and studied all the cultures that use drums through yeah, time, yeah. which I- is the only thing that really ties us all together. I think when I came on a trip to visit my big brother in San Francisco, I may have been, ah, God, it must have been 75, 76, maybe earlier. And I got into Michael Shreve's place in Mill Valley. Mm. And that Woodstock performance, still I have, and I play. Yeah. I don't play drums. I play like knees and tables and stuff. Yeah. And that was. He was like 15 when he did that. Exactly. And being in his place, I felt like. Cool. Then I had another occasion to be the first drummer of Journey. Yeah, Ainsley Dunbar. Ainsley Dunbar. And Bowie. Who, who was the Bowie. second? Who was after him? Uh, Steve Smith. Steve Smith lived in Northern California, Marin, mm-hmm. and I went. And then he sold his house, but he sold the house with his drum room, and the room was padded, completely padded, like must have been this thick, all four walls, ceiling, floor, yeah. everything. It was yeah, an incredible sound. Something right there. Incredible sound. Crazy, no. crazy drummers exactly. going there. That's where we need to stay. Here's a, here's a memo I would read. Yeah. 
I lit Mickey Hart's joints yeah. by cool. whatever the dude's name was. <laughs> the pot butler. Yeah. The yeah. pot butler by yeah. the pot butler. Yeah, man. The pot butler. Celebrity pot butler. Over those days with the dead and, and Bill Graham. And well, and, this is in a real quick. Oh, no. They played fucking oh. Shoreline Amphitheater with Skid Row, dude. Yeah. One of the great fucking nights ever. You were there. I was do there. You remember, do you remember Bill Graham screaming? That because Sebastian's not on stage. No. Sebastian Skid Row went on, and Axel was locked in his dressing room. And the famous <laughs> and we remember that rainy night. We thought we heard every power go out. We thought that was when his helicopter went down, leaving mm. the Concord Pavilion. Mm. We, yeah, we we played two nights at the Shoreline. Wait a minute, what happened? Okay. Axel was locked out. Okay, of the lo- Axel was usually late. You remember? Yeah, dude. Like you could have gone and talked to him or something, Lon. How come you didn't go talk to him? I don't know. <laughs> so there's this guy. There's this very large man. We had a lot of football players working for us. We had a guy uh, named Earl Gabadon. Love to, Earl. Big he, Earl. He used to play for the Florida uh, Miami Dolphins. Yeah. And we had another guy named Jerry Gendron yeah. who played for, I believe, the Denver Broncos, right? Is that correct? I don't know. Jerry Gendron. He was, he was our big, massive, massive guy that carried the money. Yeah. And you didn't want to, you know. In those days, we used to go, the guy would go out to the front at the end of the night and get a lot more cash receipts. Yeah. So he'd be carrying a couple hundred grand. You want to have a big guy yeah. carrying that, right? So a lot of dough in there and the merchandise money and all that stuff. So anyway, Jerry Jenner was standing in front of the door and Bill Graham, the legendary promoter, is yeah. running around going, I've worked with Jimi Hendrix. I've worked with Janis Joplin. I've worked with The Doors. I've worked with The Grateful Dead. And never, ever in my career have I fucking seen this kind of shit. <laughs> and, and Slash goes, well, now you have. <laughs> like, you know, typical Slash. Typical Slash. Well, now you have, man. Like, I used to get all frustrated and shit, like, because Axe would be late all the time. And I'd be pacing around, and there would be Slash. You know what he'd say? Matt, relax, man. Just have a, make yourself a cocktail. <laughs> Just make yourself a cocktail, man. Relax. You know? Like, fucking three hours later, we're, you know, we're fucking hammered. Yeah. It's like we go on stage. We're like, just, just relax, man. It's cool. It's, everything's cool. And I'd be like, where's that fucking guy, man? Look at that. What a calming influence Slash was Isn't on he? Guns N' Roses. Uh, I'll tell you a real quick Scott Weiland story. Okay, that's okay, a good one. So fucking Scotty Waddy Ding Dong, as I like to refer to him <laughs> as. Okay, so Scotty Waddy, Scotty Waddy Ding Dong. We just get him in Velvet Revolver. He's our new singer. I'm like, oh, great. This is like, okay. Okay, really? We're signing up for this? Okay. Because so, Clive Davis is giving you a boat. No, no, of money. no. It's before all that. Okay. We have a movie called The Hulk with Ang Lee, uh-huh. and we have this song called Set Me Free. And now we're going to play it live for everybody. Like all the heavies are coming, like the suits, like the dudes with the checkbooks and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Kathy Nelson from Kathy Universal Nelson, yeah, and tricks. you know Harvey Weinstein and all these yeah, people, like heavies. Yeah, yeah. So they all show up at the studio. We get there, right? No, Scott. No, Scott. It's like hour goes by. They're still like, like all the heavies are sitting there like, mm, where's the singer? And, and, and I'm freaking out. And Slash is being, you know how cool Slash yeah, can be, yeah. right? He's just like, hmm. So we're calling him. Scott's, <laughs> Scott's like, Scott's like, hey, I'm just around the corner, man. I'm just around the corner, man. And we're like, that's going on for like an hour and a half, right? So finally he shows up and he's got the hat and the sunglasses on. We're all like, fuck. You know, and we're, this is like a pretty big check. We're gonna yeah, like yeah. we're all gonna get like at least a good down payment on a uh, house or something. Okay. So a lot of jingola going down. 
And he shows up and he's obviously had a pretty good night the night before, maybe the <laughs> night before that, maybe the night before that. But Slash, like I wanted to just kind of like go like just like kill him. But Slash does one of these where he goes, he goes, he goes, he goes, hey Scott, um, you better sing your fucking ass off right now because if you don't, I'm gonna have to kill you. <laughs> but he says it like real quiet, you know, like really like, wow, how, how did he just do that? And you see Scott's face because he's like, because that shit could scare you. Yeah. Like when someone's that calm about killing you, <laughs> like that's scary. So, so all of a sudden he goes, you know, all of a sudden Scott starts fucking wiggling like, fucking, like Iggy meets Mick Jagger. And, and he kicks into the vocal and, Sabbath free, Sabbath free. And everyone's clapping and I'm fucking like wiping the sweat off my brow. I'm like, fuck, we got through that. And we ended up putting that song in this movie, The Hulk. With Ang Lee, which was not the yeah. biggest successful movie, it was it was a very arty version of the Hulk. But because of that song, Velvet Revolver got signed by Clive Davis, yep. your old your old boss, my old boss. Oh, but yeah. that day, yeah. was tough. Yeah, yeah, fucking hey, yeah, dude. They, when it, nothing's worse than sitting in a room with these judgmental millionaires who are going to have your fate or your success in their hands, and they want you. To dance, they really want you to fucking dance. And Scott was the dancer; <laughs> he was the jester. I man. couldn't get up there he's and dance the like him. I mean, he's the dancer. He had to dance. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I fucking love that. He was so good that David Foster missed him. Yeah, yeah. David Foster didn't even show up. David. <laughs> yeah. Where was David Foster that day? Yeah, running somebody over, probably. Yeah. Hey, where's your phone? I want to play a cult, the cult song, and I want you after this we listen to this. I want you to tell me about okay. the recording of this fucking great record. Okay, okay, Danny, you ready? Ready, ready, ready? Danny's gonna do the music this time, Mike. All right, okay, go. Take me back. Go. Oh right.
The Cult, Firewoman, <clears throat> Sonic Harley Temple. Oh. Yeah. Good title. Special. That was a good title. Yeah, Ian, Ian always came up with the cool titles. Matt, when you and I were hanging out a couple of years ago and you were telling me stories about your life and we were sort of rolling a lot of tape, you told me the greatest cult story about that took place in London early in your cult years, like a getting to know Ian kind of an evening. Oh, yeah, which one? <laughs> Pick one. They're oh. all, they were all good. Uh, you're talking about when he'd go into his sort of rearranging the hotel kind of Keith Moon stuff, that, that stuff? Or when he got into his spray painting kind of stuff? Which one? <laughs> Keep going. Come oh, on. One My we... bar's high tonight. Oh, oh, you're talking it's about... It's the anniversary show. Oh, I know what one you're talking about. On the Metallica tour where he did the whole thing and he came in my room and the poo-poo thing? Yeah, poo-poo thing. Okay, the poo-poo thing. <laughs> okay. So, okay, so I just joined the cult, right? I'm I'm a kid from California, <laughs> right? I'm a surfer kid. I... But I was into cool music. You know, I grew up with English music. I grew up with all the great English bands. So that was my background. Just like me. So as a drummer, I wanted to emulate that style. So <clears throat> when I got the audition for The Cult, I got it through Steve Jones from The Pistols and some other friends of mine that recommended me, right? So I get the gig, and Ian says to me, the first thing he says to me is, I used to smile when I used to sit behind the drums, but I got the, Ian comes in wearing all black, big hat, <laughs> big cross around his neck and a skull on his hat. And he says, you got the gig, but just don't smile so much. <laughs> I'm like, is this where we're going? Man? <laughs> so, you know, we wore a lot of black. We were, we were kind of coming right out of the goth but period. But you're cut from the happy Ringo drummer. Yeah, I was. And I, my hair was curly, too. And I was trying to figure out how to fix that. You had the smile. I had really curly hair, and they didn't dig my hair, either. And they were like... <laughs> so they started greasing my hair back, and I'd wear it kind of greased back, like very German. Yes. And I wore a lot of black. So anyway, we go on... The very first tour that we go on is the Justice for All Metallica tour. Right on. And Lars is a huge fan of the cult. So he brings us so they could get some freaking chicks in the audience, right, basically. Right. It's like 99% dudage, <laughs> you know? And like Lars is like, God, I'm in a band, but there's like no chicks. I mean, what? <laughs> it's like, what's the point? So they get the cult. They get the cult because we're like, you know, we're sexy rock and rolls. Yes, yeah, Billy Duff would say, we play below the belt kind of rock and roll, <laughs> you know? Like, you know, hip from the hips down. <laughs> Right? <laughs> Sexy grooves. The chicks can dance to still. Such a poet, Billy. Right? Duffy. Yeah. Yes. Blow the belt. Blow the waist. You know what I mean? And so we go on tour, and we're in this little town, Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I'll never forget it. I was in room 626. Okay. Okay? And Billy says, whatever you do, don't answer the door for Ian after 2 a.m. Because <laughs> he's usually not in his right mind. <laughs> so I hear Ian going down the hallway. Hey, it's Ian. Let me in. See you. Come on, man. I just want to hang out. Come on, let me in. <laughs> next door goes next door. Come on, man. Let me in. See, I got beer. Let me in. Nobody answers. Right? Everyone knows. Well, he gets to my door. Matt, come on, little buddy. We could be friends. See you. Let me in, man. It's cool. I remember I'm on the phone to my brother at the time and I'm in my Fruit of the Looms. <laughs> I got my Fruit of the Looms on, I'm watching a little TV, I'm kicking it, having a brewski. I get up and I open the door. All of a sudden, 
I look at him, <laughs> and he looks like some sort of possessed demon. <laughs> and he goes, hey, let's be friends, dude. Whoa! <laughs> and he, he comes, he enters my room like a tornado. <laughs> and... Takes down the lamps and like the pictures off the walls, and then he t- he actually has the mattress and he's got the top of the mattress and he's got it squeezed in two and he's trying to get it through the window, like the mattress, right? And he's wearing a lamp on his head and he's squeezing the mattress and then he picks up a magazine, he opens the magazine. And he puts a picture of this guy's face on the ground, and then he drops his drawers. He's going, I'm going to shat on his face. (laughs) And I said, come on, man. You're not shitting in my room. Right? And he's like, I will shat on him. I will shat on his face. And I said, fuck you, you are. So I run down the hall, and I get the fire extinguisher. Oh, no. I got the fire extinguisher, and I said, no shotting in my room, you fucking wanker. Right? And I got the fire extinguisher, and he goes, ha, 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 ha. And he's literally got the pants down. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Doing, everything's getting ready to yeah, let yeah, yeah, load. Yeah, yeah. So I go, fuck you. And I blast him. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> With the fire extinguisher, which has all this white powder, like white powder, right? Okay. And it's like now the room's filled with white powder. You know those little speakers? Have you ever noticed in your hotel there's a little speaker above your bed? Yeah. This woman's voice. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a, this is not a drill. This is not a drill. We must evacuate the hotel. There is a fire on the eighth floor. Evacuate the hotel. Because this fucking smoke went into the thing. It's like powder, but it's like smoke. Now, me and Ian are both covered in white powder, and now we're the Blues Brothers. We're like... We're like Dan Aykroyd and fucking uh, Belushi. Like, no, man, we're musicians. Bum, 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 bum. Again, we're in a Mission Impossible. Now what the fuck? Now everyone's going down the hallway in their bathrobes, like old people and shit. It's like three in the morning, and I'm like, we're like, now we're like totally, now he's stone cold sober, and yeah. I'm like sober, and yeah. we put two bathrobes on, and we cover our heads, and we're covered in powder, and we get in the line. Yeah. And we're like, okay. You cam- and then, camouflage. Yeah, and then we see like fire engines and shit pulling up and like the car with the guy with the briefcase with the yeah. siren on top. Yeah. Like the car. Like that <laughs> the guy. The fire marshal. The marshal. The marshal. So he comes in and me and Ian hide in the bottom of the bus. <laughs> and he's like, Oh my eyes killing me. <laughs> I've scratched his cornea with the shit. Right. <laughs> so anyway, long story short, we pay like ten grand for a false alarm and we fuck up all the shit. And the next day we get to the Metallica show. And they're all wearing fire engine hats. <laughs> and, and, and Ian's got a big patch over his eye. He looks like a pirate now. And, and they were fucking pissed. The crew was pissed. Like they'd taken all of our gear and rearranged it and shit. Because they were like, nobody got any sleep. Well, they were up all night standing out in front of the hotel. Oh my God. So that was that story. Dude, what a, what a Good times with Ian. Yeah. But he would like, you know, yeah. the thing about Ian was he, you know, me and him were drinking buddies and it used to really kind of piss the rest of the band off. I remember I went to England. I don't know if you guys ever had a snake bite, but a snake bite is lager and cider. So it's a fucking lethal combination. Okay. You drink a couple of those babies and you're toast. Yeah. And then Lee, Ian, I don't give a fuck if he hears this or not, but I'm going to tell that anyway. <laughs> Ian used to get very drunk and he'd always say to me, Matt, I'm so cold. I said, well, what's wrong with you? He said, I'm cold. I think I'm just going to piss myself. (laughs) (laughs) 
So he was, and he always wore leathers. So he would pee in his leathers to like warm himself up because England's fucking cold. And he'd go, I'd say that's oh. a survival man. And then we'd sit there and he'd go, Oh, I'm better now. <laughs> and he would literally pee his pants. And he'd wear those same leathers for the whole fucking tour. I do not judge. Slash did the same thing though, but no. he would Yeah, Slash okay. Okay, Guns N' Roses, I joined the band, right? And I'm like the guy that showers after the show. <laughs> right? I okay, and usually when you play in arenas, you're in a locker room kind of thing. You're in like where the hockey team mm. Uh, or wherever the basketball team or whatever. So you're in there, and there's those big showers where all those guys get in there. And I, I'm taking off my shit, and I'm getting in the shower, and Duff goes, what are you doing, man? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm taking a shower. <laughs> and he's like, why? <laughs> why it's Monday. I'm like, I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, like literally, I'm like, you know, I had to actually tell Duff that he had money enough. <laughs> like, dude, you can go buy other clothes. <laughs> like, you, you know, you you can buy. You don't have to wear those same pair of pants for like six months. You can actually go buy other ones. Like, he's like, huh? Like, what the fuck? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> when I interviewed Motley Crue, Doctor Feelgood tour, Mick Mars said that he had had the same. Leather trousers on since the beginning of the tour. Yeah. They were never washed. The uniform. Once. Yeah. And uh, the, the he food. Liked the ball sweat and everything in there. Yeah, the food backstage was horrible, too. It was like, what the fuck? I'm like, I mean, I like pizza, but not every night. I'm like, <laughs> you guys, you guys, do, do you know, you guys have sold like 20 million records. Like, we could get, we could get some fucking sushi or like, like barbecue, you know, something like, you know, edible. <laughs> They're like, huh? <laughs> it was awesome. <clears throat> Velvet Revolver was a really good ex- fucking musical experience. You yeah. Made, you made a couple solid records, man. Thank you. Good record. I actually like the second record a lot, but. It's a strong record. I think. What's that? There was a good ELO cover. Oh, thank you. I love that cover. Yeah, talking to the microphone. I love that ELO cover. What's the song? Jeff Lynn, man, you can't go any wrong there. Oh my gosh, it's on the And I can't get you out of my head. Oh, that's from El Dorado. And there was also a really good song, Messages. Wasn't that about 9 11? Yes, it was. My birthday. So you know that album? Oh, I love that album. You know, I think that album didn't get a fair shake. I don't think so. I'll tell you why. We gave six songs to the record company. And I think that was a mistake because I think those are the only six songs they ever listened to. Mm. You know those guys? Oh, what? I worked for Clive Davis. Those were the dark Yeah, years, that's dude. the single. But then we went and we played the whole album for Clive. <clears throat> and we had this party and Clive sat there. And yeah. he, he I love Clive. Yeah, he listened. And he had his notebook. Yeah. And you know what song he liked? Same one you did. Whoa. No. I, can't get, oh, you, can't, can't get it out of my head. He said, oh, he said, so beautiful. Well, if you guys are ready to cross over, that would be the single. And we all went, fuck that, man. Fuck crossing over. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Like, okay, the Fall to Pieces video, Yeah, he hated it, right? Mm. Because we shot this video and Scott's shooting up in it and barfing in the toilet, which I thought was a little on the nose. Like, you don't really have mm. to show that. Mm. We all know that you're getting loaded. Yeah. So I get... We all get called to the Be- Beverly Hills Hotel, where Clive has his bungalow. Yes. 
bungalow, whatever number it is. The the Hotel California. Right. So ba- Clive has the same bungalow, and you yeah. go there to meet with him, and like Rod Stewart's leaving, and you come in, and you go, yeah. oh, hey, Rod, how you doing? You know, <laughs> whoever he's hanging out with that day. Or Whitney at the time was around, yeah. which yeah. was cool. And I met her at Clive's party. That was really trippy. And she was really sweet. But anyway, I go to the bungalow, and I'm about 10 minutes late, and Clive's pissed. He goes, Sit down and watch the video. And I'd never seen him ad before. He talked to you in that tone? Kind of. He, he went like, sit down and watch the video. Jeez. And I'd never seen him mad before. Wow. And. He usually gets that mad when there's too much mayonnaise in his tuna. Well, he made me come. He made me. He made me come. No. He made me come to the fucking kitchen to help him get the potato chips first. <laughs> and the drinks. And I went into his kitchen with Clive. And. I thought I was going to have to give him like something else, but I didn't. But I go, Van's like, take one for the team, Sorum. I'm like, no, not this time. <laughs> no. So, no. You could have taken really? it elsewhere, man. Hey, 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 I'll tell you a story about Sylvia Rohn in a little while. Woo. But anyway, um, so I go and I get the potato chips and I sit and I sit down and I watch the video. And we watch the video and Clive goes, I, fu- I hate it. And we're like, oh. So he hated the video. Because he thought that song would have been a song that we could have gone like really. Yeah, huge single ballad. And he didn't like the video. Right. Because it was too like edgy. Yeah, edgy. He wanted it to be more mainstream and more, you know, more middle America. And then he had to go back to his group of guys that were more like, he was really good like that. He didn't ever really fucked with us because he didn't really know the genre. Right. Even though he always talked about Patti Smith. And and Janis Joplin. And Janis Joplin. Yeah. When I signed Patti Smith. Yeah. Oh, I no, signed... I heard those stories. Yeah. So he would always go into that. So we end up, we go, well, what do you want, Clive? He goes, I want you to cut this and cut this, and I want you to do this. And ended up, Scott said, I don't want to do that. I don't want to cut that. So he started fighting with Clive. I go, don't do that either. Yeah. What's your name? What's that chick from American Idol who did that? And it wasn't good for her career. Uh, Carrie Under, not Carrie Under. No, um, Ke- uh, Kelly, Kelly Clarkson. Kelly Clarkson. <clears throat> yeah, she fought with Clive. I'm like, don't you know? He's he's he was really good to us. So we 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 let his committee deal with it, and then we put the video out the way it was. Mm-hmm. But I remember, I remember that situation. But then when we when the Grammys came around, mm-hmm. all of a sudden we're nominated for three Grammys, mm-hmm. and all I could think was. Clive's got like a red button in his, you know, <laughs> right? No. He's got a Mickey Hart button. Clive had like 25 <laughs> artists up for Grammys that year. So he has that red phone that rings. Yeah. Hi, it's Clive. Yeah, give them three Grammys. <laughs> right? I mean, I, come on. Right? So yes. I remember I go to the, see, they only do 10 Grammys on the air. We were up for Best Rock Album. Um, that year against Green Day, which had that American Idiot album, yeah, which Big album. not a rock band in my opinion, but that's we'll have that's another story. That's Big another album. two hours. Big album, um, big album, yeah. very well done, yeah. very well executed. Yeah. So anyway, before the show, they gave out the Grammys for the other things like rock performance, and Scott's sitting next to me, and he's got his whole speech like ready, yeah. and and Cindy Lauper's giving out the award, right. and Scott goes. Oh, I gotta go for a smoke, man. I go. I don't. I wouldn't go for a smoke. They're they're, they're, they're moving pr- through these pretty fast, Scotty. I go. I, you know, I really gotta have a smoke. So he goes for a smoke, 
He's out having a smoke, and Cindy Lauper goes, "Best rock performance, Velvet Revolver." <laughs> and you know who's sitting there? Me. Yeah. <laughs> so I go up. I go, "Thank you, Clive. I love you, Clive. I love you, RCA. I love you, Mom. I love you, God. I love you, Marble. I love you, everybody. I love you, uh, Puff Daddy. Uh, I want to endorse. Well, where was I want to endorse your vodka, whatever." Where I'm was like, Slash? Slash was was at home with his wife. I didn't, <laughs> So I get the award, and then Scott comes back, and he's all pissed. He's like, I wanted to do the speech, man. I'm like, like, just be in the moment, bro. We got the award. Be grateful. And so so I got the award, and they show my face on the TV and shit. He's like, oh, like, he's all pissed. So, yeah, it was funny. But I, I then Clive drives by. We're getting ready to do the red carpet, and I see Clive pulling up his limo. And I go, we got the Grammy, right? And I run out and I kiss Clive on the lips. Yeah, nice. dude. I gave him a little, 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 little. Yeah. <laughs> that, that made that made. His he always smelled good. Clive, made, Clive smelled sense. really, really good, and I, I, I loved him, and I kissed him. I, no, I didn't kiss him on the lips. I kissed him right on the cheek. Uh, it's okay. We did take a little. If you had to pick your favorite song from Libertad, what would it be? Mm. Oh, I like. I love that album. I like Grave Dancer. Oh yes. Yeah, you know what's a trip about that record? We were working with Rick Rubin for like a year. And and then Rick was right in and in some ways I think he was like, You guys, I don't hear the songs yet. I think you need to keep writing. And that's kinda what he does with the chili peppers. He makes them write forever mm-hmm. until they got the songs. Mm-hmm. And then he says, Okay, we can make the record and his in Rick's defense. And looking back in retrospect, we could have had a couple better songs. Probably. We could have kept... Because the thing about being in a band like Velvet Revolver is you've got to have an album that's successful to have the legs of a tour. Meaning, mm-hmm. when we had Contraband, we were able to go out and we were playing arenas. We were like, bam, we're on. It's happening. And then the second record, things started to slow down. And we went out on tour with Allison Chains and not as many people were coming to the show. So then the band... Uh, uh, the band morale got a little low. And then Scott got the dangling carrot from the STP camp, mm-hmm. and he ran off with those guys, and that was basically what happened. So that was unfortunate because there was a few things that happened. I think a lot of it was us not making sure it was the right single. We, You know you know how it is in the record business. Yeah. Everything's got to be done just perfect. and we But did- there's no perfection. Yeah, the first record we were fired up like kids though. When yeah. we did Contraband, I remember being like, feeling like I was 25 again, going, I, I, we have an opportunity to resurrect ourselves as musicians with a new project. And we were fired up like kids. And we went out and we just pounded the press. Mm-hmm. It wasn't anywhere you could go where you didn't see our picture on, mm-hmm. on a magazine or in, and we did like two weeks in Europe. We did two yeah. weeks in Japan. We did a whole cross the United States yeah. promo, and you just you just warmly embraced the press the first time around. <laughs> yeah, well, we we just pummeled them. We pum- pummeled them. No, no, the GNR time you avoided us. Well, we had our let our Rip let magazine had access because of Dell James. Yeah, but when you got huge, you didn't want to talk to anybody. Well, Arlette Varick, remember her? Yeah, Arlette Varick. Yeah, she was a lot of fun, and you know yeah. she's you know remember when we did Spin Magazine? Yeah, the shirt, the sweatshirt that you're wearing. Look at my sweatshirt, dude. Speaking of that, that's badass. That's worth some dough right there. That's in good shape. Do you ever wash that? (laughs) I had it on eBay for a while. Nobody bought it. I I bathe in lavender Epsom salt. (laughs) 
dude, it's in the desert. It's good for you. It's awesome. Yeah. I love the desert. I'm There's trying something... to get peaceful, man. It's beautiful, the desert. There's... It is. I wrote half this album in the desert. <sighs> yeah, I know. Joshua Tree. Yep. I went there. I went to the Integratron. Oh, yeah. I, w- I went right by that. Dude, you got to go in it. Well, you I... get sound bathed. Yeah, well, check it out. The guy that actually built that. Dude, he got on advice from aliens. He's a physicist. Yeah, and you know, he was taken out by the military. Yeah, he, he there's a lot of stories. There's um, a movie there. Dude, the Integratron was amazing. Dan and you know that's, took did you there. know it's acoustically perfect? It's acoustically perfect. There's a video. Guy's gotta go. There's a YouTube clip of George. Wanna go right now? Of George Lynch. <laughs> there's a YouTube clip of George Lynch playing his guitar inside the Integratron, it's and beautiful. he's walking around. I drove right by notes. that to go to Giant. It's a dome. Have you seen Giant Rock? Yeah, dude, okay. what's this? Josh Homey told me to go to Giant Rock. I went to Giant Rock. I filmed my new video, which will be coming out. I know uh, Giant Rock. Okay, so we go to Giant Rock. It was the most, it was the largest rock in the world. It's until, huge. Until that piece fell off. Yeah. There's massive piece fell off of it. Yeah. Now there's another bigger rock it's somewhere. It's bigger than Ayers Rock? That rock's the biggest now, I think. Bigger than Ayers Rock in Australia? I think that's the biggest. Oh. Now. But this rock was bigger until this piece fell off. Are we going to sit here and argue over the size of rock? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Are they bigger than... Mike, do you have a big rock song to play right now? Something big? A big rock song? Some scorpions. Some scorpions. Rock you like a hurricane. How about some GNR? How about some GNR? Thank you very much. (laughs) It's Energized Lawn Friend Podcast. Yeah. Big rock or giant rock.
Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast. The tribal, muscular, powerful beat being kept on that legendary track from the Use Your Illusion quad, quadruple assault. I haven't heard that one in a while. Locomotive, Guns N' Roses. Thanks, Matt. If, I had, to, if I had to play that right now, I'd, I'd be like, <laughs> huh? How did that go again? Where did that jam at the end come from? That, like, can you hear me knocking sort of... You just grew, start grooving. You know, the thing that was cool about when we did those records is there was really no, we never had any 
design of any sort. We just, you know, a lot of times when we wrote the songs, Axel hadn't done a vocal yet. Mm-hmm. So we would like do these kind of long-winded instrumental things and then Axel put a vocal on later. And me and Duff and uh, Slash on that one had that kind of groove happening. Yeah. And Izzy played a lot of shake. I, I loved Izzy's shakers because Izzy, <laughs> Izzy played cool percussion. Mm-hmm. You know, he was like the guitarist that was so into the stones and yep. all that kind of stuff. So his feel was just like kind of loosened everything up a little bit. But I remember we just kind of kicked into it and we left it. And there was no like editing or anything going on. Those were all real live performances, no click tracks. So it was a gas, you know? Totally. Yeah. And like five guitar solos. <laughs> 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 you know? Like, oh, hey, man, let's do another guitar solo. You know, <laughs> and those are the days when Slash would play the solos like live with the band, and then sometimes he'd go and do overdubs. And then I remember in those days, he, remember how shy he was. Sure, he he, uh, you guys, I really don't want you to come down the studio today because I'm going to do some guitars. Mm-hmm. And you'd go in the studio, and he'd be like, "Get out!" He didn't like playing in front of anybody, right? In the studio, and you'd go in sometimes. And one day I went in, and he was like. He was in the corner of the room with his eyes facing the corner, and he was playing like that because mm-hmm. he didn't want anyone to look at him. Right. And he just did phenomenal guitars. God, on he got the melodic stuff. The melodic stuff that he came up with, yeah. like, and especially like November Rain mm-hmm. and Estranged and those epic solos right. that just, right. you know, wow. Yeah, and this almost brings us all the way back. Get mm-hmm. this ready. Mm-hmm. I'm ready. I don't know how I put this all together. Yeah. Estranged. Dolphins swimming in front of the fucking Roxy on Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. We're back to mammals. That wasn't cheap. That wasn't (laughs) cheap. So uh, what what was was my That that dolphin scene was my entire album budget on this this solo venture of mine. And video budget. Oh, my God. And PR budget. And was that is that was that Andy Morahan's concept? And, and, no, have, no, no, no. Who wanted ta- dolphins swimming in front of the story. rainbow? I'll tell you what happened. That was the okay. trilogy of videos. Yeah, right? it was. Yep, yep. Originally, when I joined the band, November Rain and Strange were one song, if you can imagine. Yep. And first of all, I said to the band, "What's up with the fucking piano?" <laughs> I was like, "I I, I want to rock." <laughs> I was like, "Pianos." Mm. <laughs> Where are we going? Well, the Elton influence was yeah, hard. Yeah, Elton, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So we had this double song, this song that we cut in half, and then the other part of that trilogy was Don't Cry. Yep. So we made the Don't Cry video, which was the second single off Usual Illusions, which we jumped straight into the ballad, and then we came back with November Rain later, and then, okay, now we're 30 million record sales in after a two-and-a-half-year tour, mm-hmm. and Axel says, I want to make the final trilogy video. And we're, all like, we're all like fucking purple, and, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, my hair is like, like I'm so electrified from the tour. My hair is like, and Duff's like, Duff's like a whole different human being, and we're like, huh, video? Why? And he's like, because we have to village finish the trilogy, and this is going to be epic. We're like, wow, we thought that last video was pretty epic. Yeah, it was. (laughs) How much more epic can we get? (laughs) Well, we can get really epic because this time we're going to rent a super tanker. Oh, no. And we're going to rent a helicopter and you're going to be in it. (laughs) (laughs) And I've decided that you're going to be the one that saves me in the video. (laughs) I said, how did you you decide that? (laughs) 
Well, my psychic did. <laughs> Swear to God, true story. He put a bunch of pictures down on a table. And All right. This, then this woman pointed to it. That was his process. And, and, and he said, and she said, that's the guy right there. And he said, Matt. Okay. <laughs> so if you watch Estranged, I save Axel. I never knew that. I'm going to go back and watch it. The drummer glows. I'm in in this fucking Coast Guard helicopter off the coast of Galveston, Texas, in a real Coast Guard helicopter, and Axel's late for the shoot on this fucking real super tanker that we rented, (laughs) and I land on a fucking oil rig with the helicopter because... We got to land because we're just fucking hovering around waiting for Axel. So we land on this oil rig, and I'm out on one of those oil rigs hanging out with these oil dudes. Going like, they're like, dude, the drummer from Guns N' Roses. Fucking on our oil rig. Right? So finally, swear to God, true story, the final shot of the video is me flying by in the Coast Guard helicopter. And, I, and he jumps from the super tanker, which actually we shot. The scene of him jumping right over here at fucking Paramount Studios with another built super tanker thing with Axel jumping. And then we got a stunt dude to jump the full distance. That's up there. And then I fly over and I go, get up. And we drop it down. And then you see Axel's tennis shoe float to the bottom. Yeah. Remember? Yeah, dude. And that, but, was, uh, that was it. But this most striking visual to me was dolphins in front of the rainbow. <laughs> yeah. And hey, oh, check it out. Another piece of trivia about that video. The scene where Slash comes out of the water. Yeah, rises like Jesus. We shot that in the Jaws tank at Universal. Right on. And we're like, you got to move the shark. Because <laughs> we got to put Slash there. That was fucking expensive. Like, they're like, wait a minute, man. We don't move the shark for anybody. We're like, well, how much is it going to cost? Spielberg has to make that call. Yeah. (laughs) Right? So we're like, wait a minute, man. Because if you go to Universal Studios and you're in that little train and the shark comes up, that's where Slash came out of the water. (laughs) So we put him on that thing and shot that. And then the other scene of Duff and the rowboat, which wasn't a good idea because he'd been drinking that day. We shot that in San Diego in one of these fucking tanks that you go in. Like it's a, uh, it's a simulator of the ocean. It's a real ocean simulator with waves and shit. Right on. And we we throw poor, poor Duffy in. Duffy, oh, no, no. And like, okay, Duff, you're gonna get in that that boat, <laughs> and we're gonna make some waves. Do you remember him rowing? <laughs> Watch the video. It's some funny shit. Going. <laughs> and and then I we shot another scene there of me in the in the Coast Guard helicopter. But we had we had to hire real Coast Guard guys to make sure that I wasn't acting out of Coast Guard regulations. Because Coast Guard guys, I was like, "He's down there, save him!" You know, get them. And they're like, "No, we wouldn't do it like that. We wouldn't do it like that. We would be calm." I'm like, "But that's not very cinematic. You know, I want to animate this. You know, to be very visual." Like, no, but we do it calm and we can't have the Coast Guard represented like that. Oh, shit. Swear to God. Yep. True story. So when you do a picture with any of these names representing this, these great agencies like the Coast Guard or the yeah, Navy, yeah, or the, yeah. they have guys that are they like, know. no. Quality control guys. We don't do it that way. They have like the quality control dudes. Yeah. Right? So I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like. Protecting the brand. Kid Axel. 
He's down there. <laughs> Get My eggs. buddy is yeah. the uh, opium expert on Boardwalk Empire. <laughs> Your buddy's the opium expert yeah. on Boardwalk. Steve yeah. Cohn, share that with us. Yeah, Stephen wow. Martin over in Thailand. I love Boardwalk Empire. He's got the single yeah. biggest collection in the world. Of and what? My friend of opium and collectibles and arts and, and opium culture. Culture. Mm-hmm. Yes. And he. And he I was in the den. You were in his den. And I partake. In in, in Thailand? Yes, sir. Northern Thailand. Northern Thailand. That's awesome. Yeah. It's crazy. You go very far out in, like, your energized terrestrial trip. Oh, dude. (laughs) You know who else spent some time over there is my friend Steve Jones. Jones. Jones, he was from the Sex Pistols. He He wrote a book. He was in there for six months. He was? Just just doping up, He's been in there for years. Ten years. He wrote a book. Yeah. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah. I told you about him. Steve Martin. Oh, Steve Martin. Yeah, but Jones didn't write a book. Jones, he didn't write a book. No, no he doesn't Steve write. He doesn't even write a grocery list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Hagen does. Ching. Yeah, that's that's that whole culture is pretty interesting. The yeah. whole Boardwalk Empire thing's fascinating yeah. to me. In America, opening scene, Robert uh, De Niro. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. And I love the whole so that's concept. Where you are. Eighteen hundreds, old yeah. Oriental smoky room. Jeez. Oh, it's heavy. Yeah, well, Savage. the Chinese were brought over here mainly for the railroad and everything, mm-hmm. and then when the when they were when they came over to build the railroad, along with that came came the opium. Yep, it's true. Uh, as the dude said to Walter, "These aren't the guys that build the fucking railroad, Walter." <laughs> yeah, no, but they had a, they had a lot, you know. Yeah, it's very true. That's, right. That's where that culture came One from. One, what two, are these? Three, That's the den. Oh, the opium. Oh, they have Buddhas. Four pictures, slide. Yeah, it's all, Jesus. all his collectibles in his room. Fuck. Mm. That's the oldest, most comprehensive one in the world. This room. Dude, what's the farthest away it's place, cool. farthest away from American modern civilization, the most foreign mm. and odd mm-hmm. and otherworldly place you ever visited Matt. or played? Matt, check it out. This is the way you Steve, I'm asking him a question. Oh, God, I've played some trippy ones. Um I was really tripping on Czechoslovakia when we played there with Guns N' Roses because we went to Czechoslovakia in 92 right after the wall came down. Right. So we're in Czechoslovakia and you still, like I'm in my hotel and I hear, what was that? It's like, oh, they're just kind of cleaning up some mess, you know, a little bit of, you know, political Cleaning up. Refuge. <laughs> so I'm literally in Czechoslovakia, like right after the wall. And the, the trippiest thing was we had the only two limousines in that town at the time yeah. in Prague. And they were these old limos from like the 70s, right? <laughs> and we went to this bar and, they, and the people who just opened up to, you know, to be able to kind of be free. And, and, and we went to this, I remember me and Slash and Duff went to this sex club. Ooh. And it was so weird because the people had been really sort of, you know, held down. Uh, yeah, stifled and repressed. repressed. And everyone was kind of sitting around like, what do we do? <laughs> you know, and this girl came out and she started, you know, everyone's like, ooh. And I remember we had beer. We had the Pilsner Uruguay, right. which was like a quarter. <laughs> I remember thinking how cool that was. And that tour was, was incredible because it was so new. The people sure. had just gotten rock and roll and they had just gotten their first concert. Yeah. And we played the biggest stadium in Prague. It right. was like 100,000 and Soundgarden opened for us. Oh, yeah. I and it was insane. But the, another place that was cool that I went on that tour was Istanbul, Turkey. Turkey. And 
I went through the streets of Istanbul and I, I wanted to buy a rug. So I'm like, I'm in Istanbul. I better buy a rug. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm walking and this guy says, I, we have rugs. Come here. We have rugs. <laughs> I go, I like that rug. He says, $10,000. I said, is that rubles? or is that like, <laughs> He's like, you know, so I talk him down from like 10. He sees me. I'm like, a, obviously an American. A dude. mark. And yeah. you know what I used to do when I traveled, though? He say, where are you from? I'd say, I'm from Canada. <laughs> because if you are if you go, I'm an American, you know, they go, ha, ha, ha. I've got you. I'll take your money. So I say, I'm Canada. I'm from Canada. They go, mm, where is that? You know, they, they, it just kind of threw him off. And he says, well, it's two. It's ten thousand U.S. But since you're Canadian, I can make it three thousand U.S. <laughs> <laughs> Swear to God. And then I go, I'll give you a thousand. He goes, okay. Right? <laughs> so I got this fucking rug. It's still in my house. It's like a nine by twelve, huge. I throw it over my shoulder, and I'm walking through the streets of Istanbul. Yeah, with the rug. With the rug, and I'm like, fuck. Now I got a rug. I'm in Istanbul. I got to get this back to L.A. <laughs> Luckily, we had our own jet. Yeah, you had your own jet. Ask Duff. Go ask Duff about the Bat Storm Istanbul rug story. <laughs> so I come to the plane. I'm like, dudes, I got a rug. Check it out. <laughs> I swear to God. I, go, I fucking put it on the plane. and I Dude, got it, it took up half the cabin. It's, it's still in my dining room. It's beautiful rug. It's made in Istanbul by Istanbul people. The story. And, uh, the story. But that was beautiful. And, and also Greece we played. And we played Israel. Oh, yeah. We played Israel, and that was another story where you hear, <laughs> I go, what the hell was that? They go, oh, don't worry. It's way up on the North Bank. <laughs> you know what's hot about Israel? You know what's hot about Israel? It, like the chicks had machine guns. It was so sexy. I mean, they were hot. They were very well endowed, toting like full wow. Uzis. Wow. You're like, did you, oh, did my you God, I better sort this woman did, out did, or is she going to fuck me up? <laughs> did you hook up with the Israeli military chick? Girls in Israel are beautiful. Ask Gilby Clark. He's married to a girl. Yeah, he is. And she does jeans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Israel, Israel, check it out. So I go, okay, well, I better go to the Wailing Wall. So I go to the Wailing Wall. I go to, I go to Jerusalem. And I'm walking through there with our entourage of folks. And this... You know, and all the rabbis are over at the Wailing Wall and they're doing this really cool vibe. And you put your wish in the wall. And this guy dressed in all white comes up to me and starts doing this whole thing and touching my head and speaking in tongues and gives me this whole vibe. And I'm like, whoa, that was heavy. And everyone comes up to me and they go, he only does that once a month. <laughs> You're special. I'm like, what did he say? I mean, like, what did he say? What did it mean? He blessed you. Yeah. Because you're the drummer, dude. I said, thank God, man, because I'm the drummer. That's and right. And I need some blessing. That's right. <laughs> but I went out of there and I felt like, wow, I just got blessed by this heavy cat. And he was wearing all white. It was a ra- He was like the head rabbi. And uh, that was a really group. I mean, I've had so many amazing experiences. I've been so many crazy places, you know. I think drummers have always been... The member of the band that has the least issues and the greatest uh, ca- capacity for cool and calm—that's what I think. Because they got it all out of their systems, hitting well, shit when yeah. they were hitting stuff when they were little. I think so. I think yeah. so. And it's tribal too, dude. 
I mean, well, that's I'm the a, earliest music is the pounding on the rocks. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in I grew up in that kind of a thing. I I needed yeah. that outlet, you yeah. know. And I saw Ringo Starr. Yeah, Ringo, man, and, and that was it. I saw his scarf around his neck and his rings, and he was. Dude, like, you did something with Ringo. I did. Tell us. Well, I I can't divulge all the information, okay. but I, I'm just going to say this: okay. I shot a video with my idol, Ringo Starr. Wow. And not only that, not only that, I can't say what it is because it's top secret. It's going to be rad. You guys are going to be, your minds are going to be blown. Dude, Ringo and Matt Sorum, the, the, the synergy there is rad. So, so but Feels Ringo, rad. Ringo did a video for my album. If you go on YouTube, pull up Ringo, Matt Sorum. He just blessed me with this incredible um, endorsement endorsement of my album, Matt Sorum's Fierce Joy on iTunes and, and Best Buy and Amazon. <laughs> And he blessed me with this crazy video that he just launched on his own for no apparent reason, except for the fact that he just wanted to do it. And I, you know, and I known him. And I've known him a little bit. And I'm, you know, I, I, it's weird when you're like talking to a Beatle. I don't even know what to say. I'm like, hello. I like. Do you still have your Beatle boots? Like I'd actually said that to him, and he's like, yeah, I do. (laughs) He was so. I met him. Yeah. He was so cool. Luke introduced me to him in Santa Cruz. Well, Luke gets to play with him every night. Every man. night. Want to meet awesome. the boss? He's in a good. He's really in good spirits. I go, yeah, yeah, because there's no industry here. There's nobody. It's just you know, come on in. I'll t- introduce you to the boss. Called him the boss. Yeah. And Ringo, this is my friend Lon. I went to high school with him. He used to run a metal magazine called Rip. And, and Ringo goes, Rip, heavy metal like Dave Mustaine. <laughs> is that what he said? <laughs> Whoa, he knows Dave Mustaine. That's heavy. And I said, yeah, I knew him like a long time, man, since like 87. He was in my magazine a lot. He goes, yeah, Dave Mustaine. Wow. And I go, cool. And then a few other words are exchanged, and it was really surreal. And then I pulled Luke aside after, and I go, Luke, did I just talk to Ringo Starr? Dave, <laughs> Dave Mustaine? He yeah. goes, yeah, man, it's a sober thing. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, you know what he says to me the other simple. day. You know, it's he says, thing. "I'm on Fox 11 News the other night, like five o'clock, the show that nobody watches, right? <laughs> right? Like, and I'm on there, right? And I see Ringo a couple days ago, and he goes, I saw you on the news.' <laughs> oh, no. And and I know that you said hi to me because at the end you gave the peace sign. <laughs> you, I knew, I knew you were speaking to me. I went, well, you're tripping me out right now, right?" I had another experience with this Beatle, Paul. I'm at A&M Studios, right? I'm, I'm there recording with the Cult, the Beyond Good and Evil album. I'm in Studio A, no, Studio B, and Paul's doing an album in Studio A with the band that he's got now. And I, I'm standing there, and he's talking to Richie Sambora, who hangs out there a lot, mm-hmm. and that news reporter guy. And all of a sudden, Paul starts walking towards me, and he's got his hand out, and he goes... I know you. And I go, no, but I know you. <laughs> and, and then he goes, then he goes, how do I know you? And I go, well, we covered a song of yours, Live and Let Die. He goes, that's not it. <laughs> and I go, I go, I go, oh, God, um, the cult. He goes, the cult, my favorite band. Oh, Swear to God. Oh. Right? So check it out. So then I'm sitting in the lobby. Paul comes out. And there's another piano in the lobby of A&M Records. And Paul starts playing Let It Be on the piano, standing in front of me. It's Paul and me, right? And he's playing. He goes, 
this piano will do. Change it with the other one. <laughs> right? So he changes the piano. Then we're around the corner for four days working on a mix for a song called War off Beyond Good and Evil. Paul McCartney walks in the mix room with Bob Rock wearing a cult t-shirt. Shut ask, up. Ask Billy Duffy. He goes, hey, let me hear what you guys, what your boys have put together. Right? So Paul sits down. We play in the mix. We're all freaking out. We're like, I'm, I did tinkle a little bit. I tinkled. And then Paul goes, let me hear what you got. So we play in the mix, and you know War, you know, you know that album. Yeah, it's heavy. Yeah. it's like right. And Paul goes, "Hmm, <laughs> it's all too clean. Can you dirty it up a little bit?" Yeah. He says, "Just dirty it up." Yeah. And then he gets up and walks out. Yeah. And we're all like. What? What did he mean? <laughs> he said, dirty it up a little bit. What does that mean? Paul, come so back. So we fucking got like every distortion box known to man. <laughs> we're putting it on the hi-hat. Like we got like, and then we've got all this like, just like sounds of dirt on the track. And we're now we're looking for Paul to get him to like, okay, it. we can't find Paul. So that's the mix that's on the album. It's Paul's mix, what we call Paul's mix. Oh my God, that's priceless. Uh, but right after that, Right after that, fucking Zach Wilde comes in the studio right. holding two beers. Yeah. He'll dirty it up. He'll right? dirty Check it out. It out. <laughs> he goes, out. He goes, fucking lay, come on. It's like a mountain man. It's like, you know, just, you know, him and a herd of buffalo. Call of the wild. Like, the Vikings right? return. He spills both beers on the fucking console. Oh. It's like, oh. the whole thing goes, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Oh, the price! Yeah, we up. got the mix though for that song, but then he tore, he completely torched the desk. We had to get the whole thing. You know, you don't pour liquid in electronics. Wow, dude, that was a Zach Wild story. That's a dirty story. Yeah, it was that. <laughs> I want to hear another song from Matt's record, track seven. It's called "Lady of the Stone." Matt Sorum sitting here with us on our first anniversary Energize the Lawn Friend podcast. I am so thankful, dude, for your presence. This we're having so much fun. Thank you. It's a good time to yeah. see you. You are a very good man. I miss drinking Jägermeister with you. Dude, I haven't drank Jäger in 20 years. That's how long we've Me drank. either. 20 years, dude. We drank Jäger in D.C. at the Watergate Hotel. We and did. then we hung out in your room and smoked. And you remember what I said? I said, fucking Richard Nixon, man. You go, dude, do you know where we are? With the fucking Watergate Hotel, man. I go, I know where we are, man. It's, it's weird. <laughs> because... We represent a lot of things that were wrong, wrong with rock and roll. You know, like yeah. there's a lot of rebel, and we're at the Watergate Hotel, yeah. dude. The worst crime ever yeah. Yeah. in politics was committed. You here. know, I spoke at Capitol Hill recently. Did you read that about me? No, dude. With Yo Yo Ma, I was at Capitol Hill speaking about the arts, and I said, "This is the coolest gig I've done since Madison Square Garden." <laughs> 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 yeah, I was there. Read, ch- Google that shit. Check Wait, it you speaking to Congress? I spoke to Congress. I, I lobbied for the arts, the advocacy, uh, advocacy of the arts. Dude, and that's awesome. The, the endowment of the arts, which is a, a travesty in America. Yeah. Other countries like Canada, they support, they support artists. Yeah. And, you know, America, not so much. No. So I went with this gentleman named Yo-Yo Ma. Check yeah, him out. Yeah. He's pretty hot on the cello. Cello, man. And uh, we hung out and we did this whole thing. But anyway, I love that whole political trip. But we were, yeah. We Watergate. Were, Watergate. Use your illusion. <laughs> we had the police escort into the stadium. That's right. That night. Fucking we played JFK Stadium. JFK Stadium. RF, RFK Stadium. RFK. Robert. Yeah. Robert. Yeah, that was crazy, dude. 
That was, I the, remember it that well. was the very beginning of the tour. Yeah. First night, opening night, Metallica, yeah. Guns N' Roses. Yeah, yeah. Good times. That was the one time I had like a f- formal interview with Axel in the back of his of the car, and that's where he told me a lot of stuff. Do you remember the after parties sick. on that tour? A couple. I wasn't invited to that shit, dude. Come on. I'm an, I wasn't. It was I was the, the most inside outsider, dude. You could have been an outsider. there and just couldn't find the tent. We had him. Every, <laughs> I just couldn't we find had him, the, We had him every night. I could. I know. I know, man. There was debauchery all around me. We had great parties, theme parties, actually. Yeah, theme parties. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll tell you why I know this because okay, we did two nights at Giant Stadium, and I went to see. I think it was Pink Floyd or something. And I went backstage and this old janitor, this 80-year-old janitor came up to me and he goes, Hey, man, I love you guys. The best party I've ever seen backstage at Giant <laughs> Stadium was you guys. Right? You're known. Some fuckers had played there. Yeah. We had ice sculptors, like sculptures. I remember with those. Like, we had a casino. Oh, no. And a jacuzzi. Pinball machines. Yeah. We had sort ju- of. We had a jacuzzi with chicks in it. Yeah. And like what? I didn't den. see that part. We had an opium den, I think. Opium den. <laughs> God. This song's called Lady of the Stone. Lady it's, of the Stone. This is a little different. This is about uh, Mother Nature and what's going on with this crazy weather Fuck. and shit. Chemtrails in here? Um, Maybe. This is my take on drones and weather Drone. okay. and the military sort of. All right. We're back at Area 51. This is some heavy shit. Check it out. All right. Fierce Joy. Matt Sorm. In the rabbit hole of endless industry Needless waste and chemical dependency Climate changes, where's your urgency? Caffeinated cracker jacks lost in despondency Abandon all hope And cast them a rope If you decide Beneath the drone, the silent dirt, the wind. 
Dude, that's a big organ at the end, like a cathedral organ. I used real organs on this album. Dude, I never with thought. With a B3. I got a guy with a van. Yeah. He's got a van. And yeah. a, have you ever seen, you know what a B3 is? Hammond. Okay. It's a big organ. You're such a lovely looking young lady. I just want to explain what a B3 is to you. See, when someone asks you, no. You just go, yo, I know what a B3 is. Okay, it's this big, gigantic, like, cabinet-looking thing, and it's got this speaker that tw- that goes around in circles. So an organ plays through it, and you can push this pedal, and it makes that sound. Oh. It's called the Leslie speaker. Mm. I like that. Yeah, Who's they Leslie? Used- <laughs> I know. Who is Leslie? And they used it on, like, Beatles song- albums for, like, guitars, too. Fuck. Yeah, like Strawberry so Fields. A B3. B3 is the organ keyboard. And, and then, then the they, Leslie They put speaker. it in the Leslie speaker. Okay, I'll go school people tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll spread the news. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know what a Leslie speaker is. No, I was going to guess it was an airplane or a vitamin. <laughs> a B3? It's a B3. No, it's an organ. You t- know something about oh, organs. Well, not if you, that kind. If you listen to your B3, you don't have to take any B3. That's Are right. you hip? <laughs> <laughs> I was at Vinnie Paul's birthday last oh. week. He turned 50, even though he said the sign said 39, but he, right. he had a party at, at the vinyl at the oh, Hard Rock. And yeah, and the, the, there was some Texas, you know, mischief going on and oh, stuff. Yeah. There is a doctor there that is there to give B3, B shots. Oh, yeah, B12 shots. B12, B12 shots. Because you could just keep partying all day. Is that long. what that's for? Oh, yeah. I never knew because I, I didn't like needles. Uh, ask Ronnie Wood, he'll tell you. Ronnie and, Wood took B no, shots. No, I, I actually give myself. My own B12 shots now. I have B12, and you can overdose on B12. But you know where we're actually most humans are light on is is D. Mm-hmm. D, yeah. We I all take D. you need a little bit of sun, but not too much. But yeah. you, everyone is pretty much light on D. Yeah. And then the other thing I'm really into is alkaline water. You guys have yeah, to yeah. That's what Tyler was into mm-hmm. in 09 on the on yeah. the lake. Yeah. He had every. Listen, we're gonna drink this water. Yeah. Everybody in this house is gonna drink this water. Well, he he. So I'm talking to him. You know, not another guy I know. Like I'm looking at me. I'm just dropping names. I hang out with Ringo on the Aerosmith. So <laughs> so so the other day I'm talking to Tyler about this. We you know it's weird being like in like a band and stuff. And you you have people that invite you to come on their boats and stuff like that. Like yeah. they want to hang. You're like the token rock dude. <laughs> so like. I'm they like, like having you as a I, gift. I'm like, cool, I'll go on your yacht, yeah. you know, ride your jet ski. So <laughs> I go on this guy's yacht. It just so happens that Steven Tyler's been on the same yacht. And you know what he was most excited about? What? That the guy had alkaline water on his yacht. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, the, that yacht was crazy, man. He had like jet skis. And Tyler goes, and alkaline water. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, like, what? I'm like, what? He lives that. Yeah, because alkaline water... It's Can't. like your body, it, yeah. when you have enough alkaline water, because we are water, basically, that bad stuff can't live in your body when you yeah. have enough alkaline yeah. So it's really balance. cool. Get rid of the acid. Yeah. yeah. Bring so on I'm, the I'm alkaline. in alkaline water. So anyway, you made my first anniversary really happy. And cool. fuck, this is one of the greatest times I've had. Certainly in the year I've been on here, I think it is the best time I had. I'll come next year for your birthday, too, if you want. And this, I'll bring Dan. Well, you got three girls here. It's hot. We don't yeah, even have but, to bring uh, dancing. But there's no action in any. <laughs> <laughs> Elvis no. Costello wrote a song about my love life. There's no action. <laughs> Is that why you moved to Vegas? Did yeah, you move to Vegas? Because I've already had some action. Are there. you hanging out at the Rhino? No, I'm not. A, I'm not a cliche dude. I'm finding 
the different kinds. I'll of come chips. back and tell you my my Vegas stories with Charlie Sheen next time. Oh man, yeah, at the Rhino. We'll never get back to the Dolphins, although the Mirage still has dolphins. I'm telling you, man. I told you know who I told about that. I think. Paul McCartney, man, he should call the Mirage Hotel right now and tell him. He knows them. them. That's where love is playing. I know, my friend. Check this out. The Mirage Hotel wanted to make, get do my wedding at their hotel, and they were going to pay for 250 people for the weekend, fly us out, and I said, let the dolphins go first. <laughs> yes. Nice. Take you and your 250 people and yeah. beat it. Oh, dude. <laughs> You you put down a mammalian ultimatum. And instead, I broke out a checkbook, and I paid for my own wedding. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Because that's the most special day of my life. Married my little girl, Ace Harper, Ace. from Oklahoma. Ace from Oklahoma. And people said, are you going to sell it to a magazine? Are you going to be on TMZ? I said, absolutely fucking not. I said, this is my special day with my little girl and my family. <laughs> Period. I ain't selling my wedding, you asshole. Yeah, but this is the age. Look at all the reality shows. Well, my girl said. When my girl came to me, she said, "I want to change the color of the bridesmaids' dresses, and they have to be Monique Lulier." I went. I'm going to call TMZ if you don't watch your. (laughs) I said, "I'll be calling E right now." Key, see them? They're going to be kicking down something like fifty grand, and she like show our shit on TV. I'll call fucking. I call what's that fucking dude from fucking Santana that just put his shit on fucking pay per view? Oh, what? Carlos. Oh, fucking guy from Journey. <laughs> oh, Greg Rowley? No, the, the guitar player. That Neil Schoen. Neil Schoen. Oh. He did a pay per view of his wedding. Dude, no. he did a pay per view of his wedding. Like a real housewives lady? Yeah. Oh, my God. What? He married a real housewives lady? So I'm. DC, okay, yeah. real quick. I know we got to go That's off the okay. air. You guys can edit, right? No, we don't. We put everything up, dude. Okay, so check it out. This is our show. So I go to Lars's 50th birthday party. Where were you? I wasn't invited. Hey, man, do you want to come see the movie? I get invited to see his fucking movie. <laughs> I'll, I'll be there from 10 well, to he 10 was calling 15. It, he was calling everybody on that one. Oops, sorry. Yeah, oops, no sorry. One, You're like, in it. No one was buying any You're tickets. You're in it for a sec. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Lars, you guys, have, you haven't called in a while. What's going on? He's like, no one's buying tickets, bro. Will you come see the movie, please? <laughs> Hey, I I'm didn't like, get invited. When did he turn fifty? Okay, so he turned, I'm not that close. Well, he's got a new girlfriend, you know. She was handling. I thought he was married. It to, was his prize party. He's got a lot of wives. He's, he's got a new girl, and she's beautiful. And she calls. She goes, "It's going to be a surprise for for Lars's fiftieth birthday." So I, I, me and Ace fly up to San Francisco, and we go to this, we go to the Four Seasons Hotel. We check in, and I run into um, Steve Smith and the k- keyboard player Jonathan. Kane, Kane, and I'm like, and then I run into this old manager of mine that manages Journey. I go, what the hell is going on? I see the dude from Night Ranger, yeah, and like Sammy Hagar, and I'm like, Jack Blades. This is like <laughs> Jack Blades. I thought, what a nice guy. He's the nicest guy. And so Jack Blades, I'm like, dude, Jack Blades, what are you doing? And and the bass player Greg Ro- uh, Ro- uh, Roly is the keyboard player. Uh, Ross Valerie. Ross Valerie. That's Journey Vintage. Yeah, Journey. Ross Valerie. He actually sat down next to me, yeah. had a cup of tea, and I thought he was kind of annoying. And then I realized, <laughs> then I realized, that's the bass player from Journey. <laughs> and then I went, what the fuck <clears throat> is the Journey like reunion going on here? <laughs> and they go, we're all here for the Neil Sean wedding on pay per view. Oh shit! No. I'm like, oh. Who watched that? So I'm like, I'm here for Lars's birthday. So I went to Lars's birthday and they did the Neil Sean thing. That's cool. <laughs> but I got married in October. 
Yeah. To a very, very lovely girl. She's wonderful. I've been with for nine years. And she's, I'll bring her on because she's, she's got a new a band. It's kick-ass. She's a dancer. Her new band is called Ace is High. Ace yeah. is High. That's good. Oh, dude. Yeah. Bob Weir had a band called Ace. Really? Yeah. Bob Weir, solo record after. Yeah. Cool. Ace. Cool. Yeah, dude. Bay Area guy. Bay Area, yeah. Bay Area guy. Happy, I, yeah. happy, happy! Should we sing Happy Birthday to Lon? No, it's my it's my show's <laughs> happy birthday. Happy anniversary to Energize. Happy my birthday's in July. Happy anniversary to Energize. Is that the show? Called? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Happy, happy anniversary, anniversary to Energize. Happy anniversary, energize. happy anniversary to Energize. Happy anniversary. To you. Thank you, dude. Barbershop Quartet. I threw a little, like, sort of like uh, a chanting at the end. That was Gregorian. That was Gregorian. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you all. Thanks, Steve Cohen, for the pizza. Thank Jungman for dropping by. Fucking A, everybody. Mike Stark, my producer. I love you, Mike. Thank you for this last year for putting up with me and my unstructured ways mm-hmm. Matt Sorum love you man thank you yeah that's like me. that's like man cave love see, <laughs> see you soon yeah okay it's energized we're gonna go out with some Ringo cause this is where it all began but it's my favorite Ringo song <laughs>